right. So I think we figured out that 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 was technically episode five the last time. You know, we fucked that up quite a bit. So that would make this episode six of movies and shit a continuation of our deep dive into uh, Game of Thrones. It's a laborious task, man, but someone has to do it. You know, I feel like if not us, who? Every other person? Well... It's flying by. I don't know what you're talking about. These wow. these three hour episodes feel like two and a half hour episodes, too. <laughs> yeah, man. They're paced like a Christopher Nolan film or something. <laughs> uh so episode five was Kissed by Fire. That's where we left off, and that brings us to episode six, The Climb, mm. which one of those double entendre Game of Thrones episodes. Yeah. yeah. This is responsible for one of the best, like the most oft quoted monologues of the show, I think. Yeah. The uh, the Baelish, the famous Baelish monologue. I was honestly the, annoyed with it this with time. With the montage and everything. <laughs> yeah. The climb. Yeah. And also was, just Aiden Gillen's delivery. Like, I know he's right. he's some kind of British, Irish something, but, yeah, like, yeah. he's really leaning into that accent for that fucking monologue. <laughs> In my mind, he's Carcetti. He'll always be Carcetti. Yeah. You know? It's, like, that's what it's, it's like. Carcetti's trying to do a really bad English, Irish, Scottish, Welsh thing. Right. There, to you know? us, the real accent is the Baltimore accent. Absolutely, oh, you get it. I'm Tommy Kirkcudy. I can't do a Baltimore accent. If <laughs> you can, uh, all right, man. So with that, let's jump into episode six, the climb. So uh, if I'm wrong, this it's really weird. The episode picks up and it starts with Sam and Gilly, which I kind of like this season because they give you these quieter moments. Like Sam mm. went through some shit already. All right, he saw fucking White Walker. You know, like let him just like run away. He saw the the, the Night's Guard become terrible people. Night's Watch. I mean. So yeah. it's like, you know, he needs some quiet and peace. And this is actually a he's, nice, he's, refreshing he's a gentle soul. You know, he tried to give a girl a thimble. Like, <laughs> you know, he doesn't he, he I can't handle this. Because, like, he's so smart, but he doesn't know how to do a fire. Because that's that scene starts up. <laughs> and she, she's like telling him how to do a fire. He's right. like, more wood, more fire. He's like, just smothering it. <laughs> like, well, she never had to build a fire. Like, Gilly doesn't need a man. That's the thing. I mean, that's yeah. the truth of it. She's a bad right. bitch. But I, I love that she's like just given birth and she's like taking care of Sam and the kid <laughs> at the same time. I didn't sign up for this. But <laughs> pissed, man. Um, I also like to talk about the ice wall, which is pretty cool. Uh, he sings her a song, which I thought was also really kind of sweet. Again, I'm weird. Like these are the things I didn't love the first time I watched Game of Thrones. I mean, I didn't have a problem with them, but I didn't love them, you know. Um, and then from there, right, like, well, I mean the. The, the later seasons are so like riddled with incident. It's just big scene after big scene after big scene. And it's all this uh, payoff. And it's just really nice going back to these earlier seasons where you have these moments where they take their time, where right. it's not a, a seven episode season and they have to truncate everything. Um, yeah. It's nice that we get little scenes that don't really matter, but they, you know, enrich our connection to these characters. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much all that really happens there. We do cut back to them a little bit later, but in the spirit of, of cutting across timelines and continents and shit like that, um, I believe the next scene is like Bran and Mira and Osha and all that shit. They're skinning rabbits. They're like talking shit to each other because Osha's a free folk. All right. She knows how to skin a fucking rabbit. That's a right. weird, weird thing. It's like y'all are both ostracized. You are second class citizens of this world. Why are you picking at each other? You know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, Mira, Mira did grow up as, you know, kind of a lady, you know, but, but she, she, she learned, she learned with the best of them. She's just as good as Osha, maybe. Right. As they, as they find out. I well, I mean, Brandon. I think She's Osha like, wins yeah, you're, skinning you're rabbits. Great. Yeah, that's the thing. I think she was. She's like, your way of skinning rabbits is quicker. It's like, I know, I told you. Like, she couldn't even take the compliment before yeah. she was talking shit back. She's like, be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, also important in this scene, uh, Jojen Reed uh, has has a vision of uh, of Jon Snow. Uh, right. Stop, you know, starts convulsing and everything, right? Right. 
Yeah. Uh, the visions take the toll, I think is the line. I don't know. But I mean, that's yeah. fucked up. Do you think she like, there's like a lot of estrangement? Be, like, you know, it's like, fuck Bran because he's having these visions, but he's, he's seizure free since 2003. I was just about to say, like, Bran, Bran is, you know, a paraplegic, but like, he gets a vision, his eyes roll back into his head. He's fine. Yeah, he gets like he's a wolf a for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's doing great. He, he can run tree. anytime he wants to. Think about that. Like, yeah. this is a real Jake Sully <laughs> situation. <laughs> if we're going to bring Avatar into this, right? Right. Like, yeah, he, Jojen's he like 12 years old. He's already convulsing and everything, <laughs> seeing visions of his own demise. Like, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Uh, but, you know, again, like, and this is where I really started to notice the editing of Game of Thrones, which I really, really, I think does not get the credit it deserves specifically mm-hmm. in these early seasons. Because they really would like, I'm, a, I'm such a fan of comic books and like comic books will write you directly to the next scene. Always, you know, like there'll be a line of dialogue where the person will answer it in the affirmative of the previous person, even though they're talking to it, a whole different setting and different characters and shit like that. And so I really like that they kind of started to do that here. They talk about seeing John beyond the wall and the very next shot is John beyond the wall. Um, kind of like, you know, one getting shit talked from Gareth from the office. I don't know what his name is at this fucking show because... He just attacks people like with yeah. bird powers and shit, which is he's, hilarious, he's, he, by the way, when we get to that scene. It's the best scene of the fucking episode. But he's just, every, Almost every scene that guy is in in this fucking season, he's just antagonistic on some level to somebody. Right. Well, there's that one say, I want to wait for it. But there's a scene where he's trying to hit on Egret for a minute. Yeah. Like, but, oh, but even then he's being antagonistic. Yeah. About it. yeah. It's just like, oh, God, stop. Um, but the important thing there is like, I think, you know, again, the, Torman is not necessarily sold. He likes John, right? But mm-hmm. Gareth, which he'll just be Gareth in the show. <laughs> That's his name to me, okay? Uh, obviously, questioning his, his uh, loyalty. And the good thing about the scene is he grits, like, you didn't stop being a crow the day you went into camp with us. Like, I know, right. but you're loyal, and I'm your woman now, so you'd be yeah. loyal to your woman, which you're like, all right. I, like, in a weird base sense of honor, I'm like, that makes perfect sense to me, John. I think you got to give this shit up. You already broke your vow. You already had sex. Like, let's, let's get on right. with it, man. And I love that John, like, doesn't fully know what to say to that. He's like, ah, she's, she's got me cornered. So he just kind of, like, squints and then, like, squints at her and just, like, Eh, and she takes that as a yes, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I I, uh, I I like that scene. Um, I don't know what. Do we have anything else that happens? In that scene? No, 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 no. I mean, let's jump over to, to, to yeah. something I think was far more interesting. So we cut over to the Brotherhood without banners and, and Arya, and she's doing like the fucking archery, and they're talking shit. And he makes a really good point, which is like, yes, you were great when you have forty-five seconds to set up your fucking shot. Okay, like right. the idea is don't aim, just shoot. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to know that she's been trained. We've seen her get weapons training. We know that she becomes like a formidable opponent, but it's still like, I think that really is like the difference between like the rich kids and the poor kids sort of thing. Like, does that mm-hmm. mean, I may, maybe I'm thinking into this too much, but like, I look at it, I'm like, well, yeah, you were raised in family, like, which thought it was necessary for you to get training. So you got fancy fucking training and you're very technically proficient, but under fire, would you be the same way? You know what I mean? And it kind of shows that she wouldn't be. So I kind of dug that a lot. Right. And, and we're also getting like a, one of many scenes where Arya is kind of like taken under the wing of somebody, you know, it, it happened with Tywin a little bit, just in terms of how she traverses, you know, conversations with people and how she deals with, you know, fucking uh, threatening situations or potentially tense situations. And right. here she's like picking up like a little archery tip and later she picks up, you know, sword fighting tips or whatever. Like she's constantly like picking up these little things from people on her travels. That's kind of what I like about her story. It's just this constant shifting cast of characters where she's absorbing what she can. 
See, I would agree with that, and, I, and I'm not going to go into a detour into future seasons, but I would say the way that I think you and I both have felt about Danny's stories being very separate in terms mm-hmm. of, it's hard, it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's very separate from the other action going on, and at times you're like, can we get to, Pat? yeah, let's just go yeah, back yeah. to Winterfell. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, I say that, I feel bad because she's just liberating slaves this season, so it makes me an asshole, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I just kept looking at it like, you know, later seasons of Arya, that kind of goes away because even though she is under like the tutelage of someone um, in later seasons, it, it feels so removed that I don't care as much about it. I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to track yeah, when I stop caring, but so far I'm still. Yeah. In the all, all I'll say is that unfortunately Arya goes from being my, maybe my favorite character right. in the show to my least favorite. Um, Precipitous pretty, fall. Icarus. And yeah. Shit, right? Just like, in terms of not even just like how they, you know, kind of fucking drop the ball that the book handed them, but also just the fucking improbable shit that happens later on that we'll get into. Right. Um, and she's basically not even a character at this point, but we can get into that later for now. Yeah, yeah I try to avoid it. I'm sorry. Man. Yeah. It's on for, me. for now, I, I really like that she's sort of been slumming it since the end of season one. Right. Um, when she cut off her hair and pretended to be a boy and she continues to do so. But in the meantime, she's also like learnings from some very rough people who right. like see something in her. Yeah. She's an autodidact, man. She's picking up yeah. all the street smarts, man. You know, like fuck the former, fuck the look, God, rip to Serial Pharrell. Okay. <laughs> rip to him, obviously, but well. she's going to get more from these dudes. I think uh, in that same scene, Melisandre arrives and I mm. love this because her, or her and Thoros, man, are, are getting it. Like, I love it. They're speaking high yeah. Valyrian, which makes me like him way more for some reason because he's totally a badass. Like, because in my mind, high Valyrian is sort of like like Latin. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of people who could really speak it are like, I don't know, 10,000 in the entire world. Like, it's not a spoken language anymore, you know? Right. And, um, and I love, like, the, the kind of, like, lines of jealousy that Ms. Melisandre obviously has, like, open jealousy. She's like, okay, you're this, like, drunk, like, almost excommunicated priest, right. and you're able to fucking bring this guy back from the dead multiple Which is exactly over. what I was gonna bring up which is like yeah. Beric Dondarrion she sees Beric Dondarrion like fucking stab stab like <laughs> ribcage missing fucking eye gone and she's like <laughs> right. the lord of light shouldn't have let you brought this back and he's like I don't bring him back lord I just say the words <laughs> like, right. like 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 just like, 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 like a, a fucking Grammy plastic or yeah dude but it's like it's his Grammy accepted speech like I didn't write this god wrote it like it, for me it was so fucking false humility or whatever but I liked it and I also liked the fact that um she tells, or not, uh, Beric Dondarrion tells her, like, there, I've been over there. It's dark. It's just blackness. There ain't nothing right. on the other side, which is She said, be you, you've been to the other side, and you said, there's nothing on the other side. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is a really this. chilling well, thing, yeah. We've seen, like, evidence. Like, for better or for worse, we've seen evidence of the of higher powers, right? Like, we've seen Beric Dondarrion come back when he was fucking chopped in half. Like, say what you want about the religious structure of this world. At least, like, there's more... Like, we have miracles. Like, the fucking Virgin uh, Mary will cry on a statue, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. this is some um, actual Sometimes shit. Christ will appear on a piece of toast in an exactly. old lady's house in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> but, and in Game of Thrones, people get brought back from the dead. You know, yeah, same thing. Exactly. That's my point. So, like, think about that, do, giving your bidding, doing all this shit, and then to be told, like, yeah, he might exist, but <laughs> there's nothing for us after this which i think is a horrific thought even for someone so um you know imbued with well magic. yeah just just confirmation that not only is this uh religion real or in some capacity real but there is nothing after death that right. like 
the reason they believe isn't because there's some reward at the end of the tunnel here. There's nothing right. but darkness for everybody, which is a well, fucking... Andres, but she seemed to not know that, you know what I mean? Which is, I think that's the weird part. It was like, it wasn't a well, shake. Yeah, she, she looks terrified when right. he says that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in that same scene, uh, Arya and Melisandre see each other because the whole point is Melisandre is trying to get Gendry. She, yeah. there's power in King's blood, you know? So she's over there and, like- And Arya is like, yeah, you're taking my friend and I don't do that. And Melisandre grabs her by the face and she's like, I see darkness in you, child. We'll see, I bet she does we'll that all again. the time to get out of situations. Like, it's the, the perfect conversation talking. ender. It would be like if someone came up to you right before you got on a flight and they were like, don't get on the plane. You're like, oh shit, like, all right. <laughs> I'm not getting on this plane, obviously, man. Um, I mean, if I wouldn't be branded a security threat, like I might, I might just want to do that to people just for fun. You know, just see what happens. Right. Um, from there, we do it right. very quickly. <laughs> you just, just immediately not, agree. Right. I just feel like if we stay on it too long, I'll, I'll dwell on that fucking part. Uh, we cut over very quickly to the wildlings that begin their, their climb up the wall, which again, I guess we knew was really big, but it's a scale thing. You know, like, like mm -hmm. I know the Statue of Liberty is big, but then when you get to it, you're like, holy shit, it's really big. Right. Um, and that was the idea, like them climbing up. I was like, man, the sheer scale of this is pretty fucking intense. And in that, I believe they said Tormund has done this a bunch of times. Like, yeah. regrets, like I've waited my whole life to see the world from up here, but Tormund's done it a bunch. And I'm just like, he's a badass, man. Like to do that once is cool. He then went down and did it like five more times. Right. Fuck? I, I do love the line that Tormund says to John. He's like, if you fall off the wall, boy, don't let her hear you scream. Don't let that be the last thing she hears. You don't want her to remember and that. Jo and John <laughs> continues squinting. Yeah, he does a lot of squinting in this season, man. Like, I think he realized Especially that that this episode. Problem. Does he have any lines of dialogue in this episode? I it's mean, I know like, he does, but well, it he almost feels like, like he's just uh, squinting. I don't time. know, squint. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I got you, Squint. Like it's that's he's very he's like he's like a, it's like he's he's Donnie in the Big Lebowski. He's out of his element. You know, he's along for the ride. Um, from there, we jump very quickly to uh, Ramsey again, still unknown. That this is the, the fucking great thing about this. Rewatching this, you don't find out that it's Ramsey proper. Like the clues are there, certainly. Yeah. But you don't find out that it's him until episode ten, which is crazy to me. Um, mm -hmm. but, so Ramsey wakes Theon up and is like, "Hey, let's play a game. Which body part do you need the least?" And that's a right. creepy fucking game because I'm going to be honest, I started playing that game and I was like, all right, how many fingers do I actually need? Like, right. It's like the, it's the merchant of Venice of it all. Right. Yes. Like uh, where's the pound of flesh? Like, what Oh can my I God. Yeah. Uh, There's no it, right answer. <laughs> uh, least of all, like what ends up being picked, which we'll get to momentarily. But uh, the other big thing about this, uh, again, off quoted line to the point where it's now become a parody of itself. But if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Ramsey says, which is right. menacing as fuck. I mean, I actually really like it. I, the, the really and fucked up thing about this rewatch is how much I like all the villains because I kind of am rooting for them a little bit. Right. And, and again, like I, I go back to the whole like Ramsey's Bugs Bunny meets Hannibal Lecter thing. Like he's just having so much fun. <laughs> he's almost like Palpatine in the prequels, like which right. was the only enjoyable part because that guy was having a fucking oh, blast. He was, yeah, he was having yeah. fun. No one just else. Being, <laughs> just being evil for the sake of being evil. <laughs> I think that started, honestly, in Return of the Jedi, though. If you go back and you look at yeah. that guy's performance, he just starts hamming it up even back then, and it's right. hilarious. He's, like, getting off in his pantaloons while, like, Luke Skywalker's giving into that hate. He's loving it. Oh, um, and it's the same thing with Ramsey, man. He's just loving torturing this poor guy. Well, I mean, the thing is, I was going to make, like, a point. It's just like, but again, that, that brings us to the whole point of the conversation. He's just like, 
there's only one reason that this is happening. It's because I enjoy it. Like, again, he's mm. a fucking sadist. And I think that's, I don't know if I'm still like on the fuck Theon train at this point. I think we obviously start to feel bad because even if we don't like someone, we're like, don't torture a guy. But uh, again, just the fucking Hannibal Lecter mind games of like freeing this guy, of making him ride out, saving him again. Right. <laughs> like, also, just the level of confidence that you know you'll catch him and bring <laughs> him back and trick him. That's a good point. It's just like, this is the most dangerous game for him, dude. He's like, right. I've hunted everything. I'm going to hunt man. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, from there, we jump very quickly. Rob sits down with uh, Walter Frey. Now, if you remember at the end of episode five, he gets a big idea. There's only one house who has got the men and the blah, 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 blah. So, you know, making strategic things. He goes back hat in hand. It's like, yeah. I fucked up. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a weird delegation to it. But basically, they they, they kind of strike on the agreement that, like, uh, we still want a marriage. And uh, Edmure Tully is kind of selected. Much to his fucking chagrin, by the way. Like, homie yeah. did not want to do – he got <laughs> – he fucked up in war, like, earlier. And he's still not willing to put in his pound of flesh. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you're getting a wife out of this. And I love that everybody is guilting him so hard throughout this scene. <laughs> Well, it's great because they're they're like every Spanish parent in the entire world, yeah. by the way. They're like, oh, it's okay. You don't have to do it. I mean, I'm just going to fuck. We're going to lose the war. Yeah, you know, we're just going to lose the war. Like, it's the whole everybody's lives lost for no reason. I mean, it's no big deal or whatever. He's like, fine, I'll do it. And then Rob's like, I will not forget your sacrifice, cousin. <laughs> like, just immediately goes to being, like, perfectly, like, right. Oh, right. Dude, yeah. I kind of loved it, though. That's the weird thing. Um, from there, let's cut very quickly to Roose Bolton, Jamie, and Brienne. So, as, if you remember, they they were caught by the Boltons, and, and, and I think they got, this is the scene where Brienne has, like, a nice dress on and shit like that. Like, they've mm-hmm. already made her formal and stuff. And uh, Roose Bolton at this point is letting Jamie go. He's like, yeah, I'm going to let you go. And you're going to tell your dad, I ain't had nothing to do with your hand getting chopped off. That was that other motherfucker, right? Like, I'm, right. we got to be chill. Uh, and then the other thing is that he's not going to let Brienne out there. You know what I mean? Which is like a, kind of a big fucking deal. It's not good. You know, like what, what possible reason would they have to keep her there other than to do some sadistic shit? You know what I mean? Right. It, which she says explicitly to, to Jamie. She's like, oh, so you're going to leave me here. This is a later scene, I think. Uh, right. You're going to leave me here with Locke, the guy that you saved me from to begin right. with. So. And there's and Jamie's really trying to play uh, like you know hardball with him, but any there's this great line I wrote it down because it was just so sassy. Like he's just like, and you continue to overplay your position <laughs> like you mm-hmm. won't say overplay your hand i don't know man i was like some restraint <laughs> this guy doesn't go for the easy <laughs> joke okay he goes for the clever joke and i right. appreciate that uh one of my favorite fucking scenes of this entire episode we cut back to king's landing and it's tywin and olena right mm. and love it love it because again like tywin is a badass don't get me wrong he wins this conversation but yeah. he's never even flustered when he talks to anyone else Anybody right. else, even Tyrion, who's like the greatest brain in the fucking world, he gets his ass kicked by Tywin. And this is the first time we see Tywin sort of get pushed back a little bit. And right. I love it, man. It's so good. Well, well just that little bit where Olena um, asks him, like, so you never fooled around with a boy in your youth? You know, it's perfectly natural. <laughs> boys having a go at it in the sheets. And he goes, never. never. <laughs> Maybe they have some other ideas in high garden she like throws right back at him he's like well in high garden we're kind of against incest so right well that's the thing so they go back and forth he's like do you deny his affliction oh no he's a sword swallower through and through but you know we don't we're not into brothers and sisters back in the high garden right olena's having the time of her life by the way like you get the idea that she can do this for like i want those two to get married settle down (laughs) just have fun conversations all the time 
get a little I watch that show. Me. Yeah, get a condo yeah. in Dorn and just they're like constantly plotting to kill each other and marry their kids off to each other. It'd be great. Well, again, and they're going back and forth. So at this point, you know, and again, like Tywin gets the best of this, and Olena isn't even that mad about it because I think she's just happy to finally have like a formidable opponent. Yeah. But but Tywin is like, listen, um, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, we will have we'll, we'll name Loras to the King's Guard. Yeah, and he's like literally about to sign the order. Like, I'm yeah. about to sign the order right now. And she's like, it's a rare enough thing to meet a man who lives up to his reputation. Right. And yeah. I think she's totally fine with everything <laughs> like that shut yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Like, and again, it's just, oh, man, those two. I wish that they, the way that I love Littlefinger and, and Varys together, mm. which is sad because we don't get that much longer, man. That's the sad truth of we it. We pretty much just get this scene with those two. Right. Which is too bad. That's why I enjoyed it so much. I know. it's like, it's there and it's gone. It's kind of the best fucking thing in the world. Yeah. But again, the like Taiwan again. I why am I rooting for this guy? Because he's so fucking good. Even in episode ten, when we get to it, where he has to explain the red wedding to Tyrion, mm -hmm. I'm like, I get it, dude. I'm sorry. Like I'm right. on Tywin's side here. So let's put a pin in that for now. But I, you know, I want to get back to it. Um, back at the wall, Johnny Gret, they're making their their climb up there. And uh, the, again, the scale freaked me out because there's that scene, and it's like classic fucking like Hollywood mm. movie. Like he looks down and like, yeah. like the zoom shit. Like. And then John squints some more. <laughs> That's how he approximates time and space. <laughs> he needs to squint his way through the climb. Um, he doesn't. He has to squint because some ice fucking falls. Right. There's a whole scene. It's a really impressive uh, set piece actually when they're on the wall and like a big chunk of it falls off. And again, yeah. it's a it's a giant chunk, and it makes like nary a fucking dent in the overall structure of the wall, which again shows you how fucking huge this thing is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they're kind of hanging uh, precariously, and and our boy Gareth like decides to cut them loose, and Jon Snow gets that hooked on just in time and saves Egret and himself. But they know they know this motherfucker left him. You know what I mean? Which is. Mm -hmm. Some harsh shit. Uh, he he, pro he uh, professes his love for her later on, but he seemed to have no problem fucking cutting her to fall down the mountain in that scene. So <laughs> I don't think he feels too strongly about her. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah, he was fine with it. But it's you know it's an exciting little set piece, and John like does a little trick where he swings and he catches her just in time. Right. I I guess. I guess I don't know. I'm I'm played out on the mountain climbing of it all, man. A cliffhanger, Mission Impossible two. A point break, maybe. I think they did some mountain climbing. The point is, I'm over it. Um, let's cut back to King's Landing very quickly. Loris and Sansa. Because, again, this is what's supposed to be happening now. If we remember correctly, now that Marjorie's going to be marrying Joffrey, um, Sansa is to be married to Loris, and that's how she's going to get out of King's Landing. And, yay, it's going to be awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a weird scene because, like, I guess she doesn't know. I thought it was, like, an open secret that Loris definitely likes to, you know, uh, like, males or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but in this scene, it doesn't seem like Sansa's aware of it, and he's trying his best to flirt through it and shit like that. And he's like, I feel like I'm in a dream. And I'm like... Right. It's it's such a it's such a stilted conversation. But th but then he he like finds an in. He's like, oh, I, I can't wait to show you the dresses in High Garden. They have lovely brocade and this and that. And just spends like a good minute describing dresses. And she's just like, oh yeah, right. Your husband really likes dresses, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Like no, no red flags. I don't know. I mean, look, I saw Phantom Thread. You know, you can like dresses. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like I'm just saying. She's though. she's like 13 years old. She has no idea what's going on. It's not Joffrey. That's wow. all she knows. Yeah, there's a. We'll get to that because there's a couple scenes where I'm like, oh my god, to be a woman. Uh, but all right, let's jump real quick. Uh, back still in King's Landing. Sorry, Tyrion and Cersei are talking, which is like, who's getting the worst of this? Okay, so we know the plan. We yeah. know that like. Uh, Cersei is supposed to be marrying Loras and Tyrion is supposed to be marrying Sansa. Like, we know this. No one else knows this yet. 
Like it's a secret plan. That's why I kind of love when Tywin was talking about it. He's like, what is there to call out? They're, they're doing this. Like they're sneaking this. Like yeah. there's, there's no plan to, to, to fuck up on their end. They haven't announced it publicly. So we mm-hmm. can just beat them to the punch. So um, it's again, they kind of have this really like semi-sweet moment for half a second where like they're just commiserating in the like who's getting right. the worst of this shit you or me you know what yeah I mean? they're, they're kind of just uh, spending some time together in misery just like fuck yeah we're both fucked we both got played by dad again right yeah uh, and that well the other big moment of this is too to kind of reveal that it wasn't cersei at least she doesn't say that uh who tried to kill Tyrion during the Blackwater? It was um, Joffrey. Yeah. It was Joffrey, right? And again, Joffrey fucking hates this guy because again, all, he is the one person who actually tells him what's what. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that obviously fucking bothers him. And it shows again that Cersei doesn't have control over her own son. Um, and I also like the fact that he's like the boy's an idiot, and Cersei doesn't correct him like at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also goes to show you that like if there wasn't all this deep-seated like pre-existing hatred between the two, like they could be brother and sister like there could be some normalcy between them but there's just like right i don't know there's too much uh anti you know dwarf prejudice going on um it's it's a it's a sad thing because again like they do seem like formidable opponents i'm really curious to see how this plays out in the very last season now where we are and whatnot but you know i i told you repeatedly these are the scenes that i kind of come back to uh it's not just two people talking in a room obviously that's great but with the right pair of people and Cersei and Tyrion are like fucking pitch perfect against each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also really revealing that in a way she's become closer to him, even though she still fucking hates him because of the absence of Jamie. You know what I mean? Like, like she really is trying to wrap her fucking tentacles. I'll call them around yeah. any semblance of family that she has, even if it's still a fucked up and, and uh, unhealthy way of showing that, which I thought was interesting. Um, the next scene we have Tyrion actually going to tell Sansa the fucking horrific news that she's not looking forward to. Um, and also just a really awkward fucking like moment with Shay, which I liked. It's like sometimes we think we want to hear things, but we don't. <laughs> like, she does not fucking care. She, yeah, it's yeah, so she's bad, not playing man. that shit. Oh, and at this point, I feel so bad for Sansa because she's been fucked over a couple times now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it really is the repeated fuckery of Sansa over and over again. Her hopes get dashed repeatedly, and she just keeps on persevering. She's the Sisyphus of this world, Max. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I really, really feel bad for her. Um, it just keep, like, it's just people like fucking controlling her destiny for her, and she has no say in it whatsoever. Right. So she's constantly being forced. Like, the, o- the only time she really gets an option or a choice or a glimmer of that in the past couple of seasons is when Littlefinger is like, you could come with me. You know, I'm going to fucking get out of here. Things are in place. Things are moving. And you can get on the boat that's leaving King's Landing. Right. And she's like, maybe maybe i will like maybe that's one choice she can make um but again in this episode it's like choices being made for no agency whatsoever right and that's frustrating to see for a character but again on this rewatch like it's not her fault you know it's just frustrating for her too right like when we talk shit about rob stark it's because at every turn he fucked up somehow you know what i mean (laughs) uh like sansa did not like she was just there right she just continues saying yes to marriages that don't pan out (laughs) um all right from there we jump and this is actually a really really important scene because it's kind of like the culminating moment i think of a lot of the early season yeah early episodes which varus littlefinger which, you know, I told you, I'm on Team Varys, man. I make no bones about that. I really like Varys. Littlefinger gets the best of him. And it's, like, really kind of awesome as fuck. And there's, 
but the, the whole back and forth where Varys is just like, uh, everything I did, I did for the realm. Although, like, I'll admit, who doesn't love to see their friends fail sometimes? <laughs> Which is so accurate, by the way. I mean, like, I wanted to see you succeed, but everyone else, man. Fuck them all, all right? Burn them all. Let them burn. Uh, so, yeah, but I like that scene. And, of course, we get the famous chaos is a ladder. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and then we're getting, like, we're seeing the ships fucking sail back to the high guard without, and Sansa's like, I'm sad. And, like, yeah. she's not digging it. She's, and, like, uh, crying yeah well, the other watching that is, ship walk. let's talk yeah. about that little finger knows that Roz has been in the employ of, of Varys and kind of we see Roz's the ultimate demise which is to that fucking psychopath right. Joffrey man like which it had been teased a lot we'd seen him with that crossbow and shit mm-hmm. this might be the first person he's murdered like let's be real about that it's a he's had everyone else do their bidding uh, right. but this team it, it seems like it was him and that's a that's a departure that's like a big jump for who he was as a character because now he's actually getting his hands dirty Right, because apparently, like, as Link- Littlefinger says, like, he approached him about, you know, having a prostitute to kill. Like, right. he's like, hey, like, I-, I want someone to fucking kill. Like, I want to take this to the next level. Like, he's he's stepping up his serial killer game, man. <sighs> That's fucking horrific, man. I don't know, because he's already, like, a terrible piece of shit. Like, he, he he's, like, what privilege is unchecked is Joffrey, you know, basically, yeah. <laughs> like... Because he start, he starts off being like this sniveling rich kid who like goes whining to mommy and daddy when he doesn't get his way to oh now I'm murdering prostitutes habitually and having other people clean it up for me you know the next logical step right 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 it's weird that he skipped right over the animal stage you know like the, at the yeah. little animal stage but I don't know <laughs> he killed a butcher's boy sort of with his words anyway this brings us to episode seven which is actually one of my favorites I, you know, I'm I'm gonna stop saying that because I feel like this whole season's my favorite. Whoa. Um, um, did oh, did we talk about the end of the episode, The Climb, though? Like, where John and Egret actually get up to the top oh, of the wall? Oh, you know, I totally forgot, man. In my mind, it ends with that fucking badass monologue for some reason. But yeah, they do get to the... It's actually yeah. a beautiful scene. You're right. Thank you for bringing it up. They finally make it to the top. Gareth is throwing some shade, whatever, okay? But Egret finally gets to see that view on top of the wall, and it's yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It, it's mostly wordless, um, and it's a really nice piece of effects work, too, where Egret gets to see, you know, the the south to her you know mm-hmm. for the very first time and gets to stand on top of the wall and john and her look at each other and look out at the view do you think he gets mad out he's like i've been spending my whole fucking life in the snow like it's like being like right. living in antarctica and then finally realizing like puerto rico exists or something you know what i mean like <laughs> that's got to be a fucking problem bro pretty much yeah <laughs> cracks me up a lot i don't know why uh but thank you for reminding me of the, of the episode and from there let's jump to episode seven which is called the bear and the maiden fair Mm-hmm. Um, which is written by George R. R. Martin, oh, directed okay. by veteran uh, TV director Michelle McLaren. I love her. I just love. Wonderful. I think Wonder Woman would have been much better with her, um, but mm. she also did Breaking Bad, right? She's done a and the Deuce. She's wonderful. And uh, Mad Men, yeah, she's she's I didn't all know over. She did Mad Men, yeah. but that's the thing. There's so like much a, any peak television TV show, like she probably had a hand in it. That's yeah. awesome, man. Uh, that's really fucking cool. Um, so the episode starts off, and John and the Wildlings now firmly over the wall, but you know they're not where they have to be. I think in our minds we think that like the wall is castle black only mm-hmm. not realizing that it extends fucking forever um so they they climbed the wall they scaled it but they're not close to this thing so he's like oh it's about a week away and again like they don't trust this motherfucker like right. I, it's it's weird because like torment very quickly becomes one of my favorites like i know exactly what motivates him you know like mm-hmm. he's a man of his honor so i'm fine <laughs> with it this gareth guy is still a piece of shit and it's just like at what point like Again, this wasn't like John didn't go to the north planning on being double agent Jon Snow. Okay, like that right. was never the intention. And he, he just wanted there. to not be a steward anymore, and now he's here. 
upward mobility, man. Fuck me. Like, it's not always good. And that's my point. So he's playing this role. And when he goes into that first episode, when he first meets Mance, he's playing it so deftly. Like, you're like, mm-hmm. wow. It's like Bond at Casino Royale, man. Like, he's staying in. All he's got is a pair of fours. You know what I mean? Like, right. And, and somehow he's, he's made that pair of fours into this whole thing. He's like, like penetrated these like fucking group of people who are no. This is like a weird Black Klansman situation, man. He's like penetrated a known group that uh. is vicious, you know? Yeah. Um, Except instead of a bunch of racists, it's, you know, Tormund giving him a lot of sex advice and telling him he'll gut him if he betrays him. Right. Which yeah. is a, a good fucking fair trade, Jon Snow. It really like, is. Come on, come on man. Um, from there, uh, let's, let's, let's jump over to uh, Rob and Talisa and Caitlin and Roos. We're all having this battle in the fucking the battle plans are looking at the maps and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Dismisses Catelyn. And then, you know, him and Talisa start hooking up and... <sighs> There's a scene in here that bothers me, and I'm going to tell you why. All right? Okay. I had to sigh. <laughs> because it's like, again, he even says it. He's, like, trying to strategize. And he's like, how am I supposed to strategize when you're over there looking like that, right? Like, he's right. so enamored with his new wife that he can't fucking deal. <laughs> he can't even do his fucking basic responsibilities as a general. But in that right. same scene, we also find out that she's pregnant. So I guess that makes sense. You know what I mean? mm, yeah, but I mean, like, his war effort is falling apart. He just, you know, decapitated um, the head of the Karstark family, which was, like, one of their closest allies. And, like, he right. just can't stop banging Talisa. Right, come on, guys. She'll like, be there get it together. Probably. Send her away for a week. Focus up, buddy. Yeah, right? Like, be a good king. Give her a spa, man. Some <laughs> Turkish baths and shit. Like, she doesn't need to be on the battlefield with you. Yeah. Like, if you lose, think about this. You think Ned Stark brought, brought Catelyn on the battlefield? Motherfuck, no. All right? Hell because no. If would have fell, the first person they're going after is Catelyn Stark. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. And yeah. plus, he would have never had Catelyn living in a tent, you know? Right. <laughs> that's the, she's way too posh for that shit. Like, that's the problem, man. Um, but yeah, whatever. That's, a, a, again, she's pregnant. That's the big thing. And Rob is like, Oh my God, he's like 17, I think, at the time yeah. of this. So. And, and honestly, like out of context, it is a sweet scene. It's like a young love or whatever, and we like Rob. And here's the thing, like Rob in the books, especially never, I, I don't think that anybody would say Rob is their favorite character in Game of Thrones. Right. I don't think most people would say Catelyn is their favorite or even top five favorite character in Game of Thrones. But they're doing very necessary, like, groundwork to set up what happens later on in the season, which, I mean, if you're listening to this, you already know what happens later on. Um, But, like, I think it's interesting, and George R.R. Martin has talked about, like, how he finds it interesting that these characters who he he never, you know, saw as being main characters um, would have such an emotional impact on people. And it's like scenes like this that do set up the tragedy of it a little bit. Well, he doesn't so consider necessary. he doesn't consider Rob a main character. Uh, well, Rob never gets a point of view chapter. Um, oh, Catelyn shit. does. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Cat Catelyn does. Rob does not. Um, Rob is always more described than anything. Um, but he's not somebody you spend like intimate time with in the books. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's definitely an emotional fucking core there, you know, even yeah. if it's from someone else's perspective. So that's really interesting. I didn't know that. And that's also interesting because he's adapting his own work. So he's able to give it some of that more emotion that maybe wasn't on the page. He gets to flush it out, expand it a little bit more, which mm-hmm. is really crazy. Um, uh, okay, so sorry. Uh, from there, let's jump back to the Wildlings very quickly. And our boy Gareth, he's trying to Mac, but he's failing. And this is the scene we were talking about. He's like, it should be me. I love yeah. you if you were my woman. 
<laughs> so bad. So yeah. bad, dude. I feel really she, she's bad. like, you're a, a hostile little dick to everybody. And he's like, if you were my woman, I wouldn't be. And it's like, wow, what a what a fucking enticing offer, guy. Right. Yeah, I'm that's be- what you're bringing to the table. I won't be a fucking dick to you if you hook up with me. Right. Uh, it's a weird condition. It's a weird conditional yeah. relationship that I'm not comfortable <laughs> with. And obviously, Greg is also not comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she tries to warn, or he tries to warn her again about John. The thing about this is that he's right. And again, we have like a weird slapstick comedy moment coming up. Like for me, it's unintentionally the funniest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But again, tries to warn him because for as annoying as he is, he's not wrong. Okay. Like, and the thing is, yeah. he also knows that he knows that he's still technically a crow, but she thinks that like their connection supersedes that he's broken. Right. Down, like that. So it's, it's not out of the you know, realm of belief that everyone is suspicious or, or that she knows and, and isn't suspicious. It all kind of works. Um, from there, let's come back to King's Landing very quickly. Sansa's obviously heartbroken, and Marjorie tries to give uh, her a, pe- a pep talk. You know what I mean? Tries to be like, hey, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Not going to be all right. Like, you're fucked, okay? Like, right. again, I think what's nice about Marjorie is I do think, like, even though she's playing the game, she does have a hint of niceness in her. I think she has compassion for others and shit like that. I think she has more compassion than Olena does. Um, oh, and I yeah. love Olena, but, like, Olena is, like, at this point, she's just a cold, hard person who just, like, wants her house to... She's basically Tywin in female form, up to a yeah. point. Not as ruthless, but, yeah. Whereas Marjorie is like, okay, like I have like some fucking compassion for this poor girl. And she's even like, you know, I've heard like that uh, Tyrion's like very well re- renowned for like having experience. And Sansa's right. like, is, is that a good thing? Sometimes. Having experience? And she's like, yeah, so, sometimes it is. Right. Like she's I, trying I, to like I like that better. too. What's really good is because she's like, who taught you this? Do you mom? <laughs> yeah. Like, and Marjorie yeah. like takes a second like, yes, sweet girl, my mom. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I mean, wasn't she going to know, like, whenever she fucked Joffrey eventually, like, wouldn't there be some proof? Like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's a miracle or something. It's like, oh, man. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's just so funny to me. I, just, I love, like, Marjorie is so, I mean, whatever. Like, she's a woman in the story who has agency kind of more than most women in this entire story does. You know what I mean? Like, she's still yeah. doing the bidding of, of Olena. Olena's running shit. Certainly not Marjorie's dad, who is, like, really funny. Like, mm-hmm. he's unintentionally hilarious every it's time. a fucking goofball. He has no idea what's going on. Oh, so good. Um, let's jump very quickly to, uh, to I'm gonna uh, one scene before I get to one of my favorite scenes. But uh, Tyrion and Bronn have a very quick exchange, and I always like to write this down just because I love any time that they're together. They're one sure. of my favorite parts. Bronn's over here, like you're gonna marry a whore. <laughs> like what are you, what are you, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Right. He's like, trying to lament the whole situation to him. And again, like even though, even though we see it, I think in season four. Like, the relationship is very much about money and shit because that's how their relationship has always been. But that doesn't mean they don't have, like, a great, tremendous amount of respect for each other, you know? Sure. Um, to the point where Bronn and- can say shit that no one else can really say to Tyrion, you know? Exactly, yeah. Like, Bronn is not in the least bit intimidated by Tyrion's, like, wealth or status or anything. Like, they're friends at this point. Even though, like, Bronn would not be in the picture without being paid. Like, they are friends. It's just right. this weird contractual friendship. <laughs> um but, but I in really, a way really it's it. like it's like but think about who Tyrion is as, as a character right because we've we've heard over and over that he likes to like um, get whores and shit but i don't think that that's because he wants to like fuck every whore i think that's because <laughs> of who he is i think he wants a connection i think the only way he's been able to get intimacy is to pay for it and it's sad that i think friendships are sort of the same thing you know like like right. patrick's different or whatever but we don't see many close friends that he has his closest friends in the show is 
Braun, man. I, I mean, you, you could argue that that's also just a consequence of like uh, wealth and status in this world in general. Like, does do many people in this show actually have friends? like right. in the real sense or in a real sense that that isn't like wrapped up in honor or something else right you you, you know yeah you're you're what is it in buddhism or your your dharma right like your duty mm-hmm. uh and that's what it is like you're right it's a lot of it is wrapped up in honor it's like god damn it your fucking grandfather did something 80 years ago and i gotta be fucking uh, like holding on to that uh, right Alliance, well, like you know? even even um fucking ned stark and king rob like uh, or uh yeah robert Baratheon, like up to a point like you get that sense that like there's there's honor and duty for ned more than there is friendship at this point <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean, he from has, the very beginning, or from like the first season, they talk about that. He's just like, tell him, listen here, fat man, you won't take my husband. He's like, but I, I got to. Like, the, the king right. beckons me, man. Like, uh, so fucking funny to me. Um, okay, I love this scene. This is legit one of my favorite scenes. Um, and it's all just visual. It's You said Michelle McLaren directed this? Yeah. Okay, pitch perfect. Joffrey and Tywin. Joffrey calls Tywin in to the fucking the throne room, okay? Mm-hmm and tries to dress him down like a power move because this motherfucker's feeling emboldened okay like he, he just yeah. killed a prostitute now he's like i'm gonna be a badass so he brings tywin in and it's amazing because you know there's like steps leading up to the throne so right. tywin is below the steps and the eye lines all right joffrey mm-hmm. looks down on him tries to be imposing tries to uh intimidate him not really but it's like why why, why are the the small council meetings being held in the tower of the hands like so you're saying if i have to do it i have to walk all the way across and he puts up with it for like two seconds and then like starts yeah. climbing those stairs dude and i love right. it because i think they, they just freeze on joffrey and joffrey's eye line just slowly goes up from like power position to like fucking frightened child as like right. grandfather's towering over him oh And he's just like, goes from like leaning down and looking down at him to like looking up at him. And just like that, which is a perfect power move when like you're sitting down in a chair and someone's standing over you. It's incredible. Like again, why? Like I want Tywin to win the fucking throne himself. Like, right. if, like what how does that work if 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 like cersei and Tommen or Tommen and joffrey and everyone get killed does he just like take the throne at that point i don't think he would ever want it ever because, because he realizes the real power is he's, being di- he's dick cheney yeah yeah which, which he explicitly says uh later in the season at episode 10 um oh my God. So but, but yeah good. um yeah no i just love he gets a couple of zingers in there like where joffrey is like so i have to walk all the way up to the Tower of the Hand. And he's like, we could arrange to have you carried. <laughs> have you carried. They also bring up very quickly, it's important, they bring up Danny. Uh, mm-hmm. Dragons are a curiosity you needn't worry about, you know? So this is interesting, and I actually wanted to talk about this. This is like one of a few instances where I hate to admit it, but Joffrey is fucking right about something, Uh-oh. and right. no one's taking him seriously. Like, well, to be fair, to point. To be okay. fair, let's just go point counterpoint on this. In the beginning of the, the the series, even people that we know and love and respect and know that are intelligent people don't believe in the mythical bullshit. We know that White Walkers are considered to be long, like 10,000 years ago. Even people like Tyrion doesn't believe that. When mm-hmm. people talk about magic in this world, uh, without, uh, I mean, with the exception of the people who have handled it firsthand, like the Varuses of the world and like Arya has now seen it firsthand, Stannis has seen it firsthand. Um, people largely think that magic is not in this world, you know? So I can sort of understand where they're like, dragons, that was fucking forever ago. Man, ain't no fucking dragons coming sure. on. No, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, like, you, you wouldn't blame anybody for not believing in it. But um, I just do love that he's accidentally right about things sometimes. Like, back in season one, he brings up, like, you know, if I was king, like, this is before he's king, like, 
I would uh, develop a standing army. This whole like fucking calling your bannerman shit doesn't make any fucking sense. We should right. have one national army. It's like, yeah, that's how countries are run Makes today. Sense. You're a forward thinker, you piece of shit. <laughs> I kind of respect you right now. Dude, he's a fucking broken clock. Like, yes, he'll be right <laughs> twice. But are you okay with those odds? Like, you know, I mean, you're right. Let's let's be fair. He, he has a point. Let's give him. Yeah, let's give him a golf but then he also that. just murdered a prostitute. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> you take the good with the bad. Yeah, man, it's a real fucking uh, you know justice is blind situation. The scales and whatnot. Um, from there, though, we uh, basically he's told to shut the fuck up. Like, it's a curiosity you don't need to be worried about. And uh, again, power move. Yeah. Taiwan's running shit. But from um, there, we cut to uh, Donkai. You had something to say? I'm sorry. No, I, I just want to say one more thing that in any interaction between Charles Dance and uh, Jack Gleason, like Charles Dance always stops just short of forgetting to call him my king. Right. Like, it's always like you, you think he's like going to walk away without saying anything and he'll go, my king or your grace. <laughs> And then walks away, like he he like almost can't bring himself to say it, but he does anyway. He, he, it has to be the thing he does. La- it's like the shot at the end of the night of drinking. Like you, mm-hmm. you can't start there, but you can end on that. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, I got to get the fuck out as soon as I say this, man. Uh, it's such a. I, I've said this over and over again, but Charles Dance might be the greatest thing that ever happened to this show. Um, and full of actors who are wonderful, but like every time he's on screen and he's an antagonist, he's an asshole. I'm he's electric. I love him, dude. He's no, fucking he's wonderful. great. Um, there's a really good Phantom of the Opera where he plays the Phantom. It's unrelated, oh. but you should check it out because he's awesome in it. That's all I, I need. I need to watch more of Charles Dance's shit, man. It's really he should have been Grand Moff Tarkin in fucking Rogue One. That's all I gotta say. Right? Recast it. Oh my god. We don't even need the old guy. Just bring Charles Dance into that. It's gonna yeah, be like don't do the weird digital face thing that looked like shit. Looked right. like a video game. Just put Charles Dance in there. He'd fucking really? Can we it. just make this known now that like we both just want to make stuff so we can cast Charles Dance in everything? <laughs> okay. I want him to be my Bill Murray. Like I want him to show up every time. You know, even if he doesn't have a role, we just have a block. Throw, on throw a mustache on him, yeah, throw, yeah, throw a yeah. crazy wig, like whatever. It's amazing. Let, let's let's jump yeah. to Yonkai, though. Uh, so we got Danny, we got Barris and Selmy, we got our boy Jorah, right? And they're looking outside of, what is it, Astapor? I, or were they already at Astapor? What's the, oh no, Yonkai, sorry. Yeah, they're in Yonkai. So they're right outside and they're kind of surveying it and they're going through the whole battle plans. Like, look, if, maybe, maybe we could beat them if they came out to the open field, but they're not going to do that. They're smart. Right. They'll sit and they'll sit behind the walls. Sort of what we talked about, like the dragons and the cannon fire theory or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, they'll sit behind the walls and they won't do it. It's like, we don't need it either. It doesn't help you any closer to the Iron Throne. Like, we don't have to do it. And then I believe at that point, she's like, how many slaves are there? It's like 200,000 slaves. She's like, 200,000 reasons to take this city, which mm-hmm. is not wrong. Like, I sort of get it. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to get yourself. Yeah, you got to manage your competing priorities here, Danny. Right. You can't get everything at once. That's, that's largely the problem. In the same scene, um, we, we have like a delegation from the slavers. I forget the actual character's name, so please forgive me. But homie comes out there and he's like, listen, you want some ships? We'll give you some ships. You want some gold? We got some gold. Here's the thing. Don't fuck with us because we like slaves and we need slaves. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Because we like slaves and we need slaves. They are fun for us, not for them, but they're cool and we need slaves. So he's, he's really just trying to appeal to her. Like, we'll give you passage and we'll give you money. Don't fuck with our way of life. Right. And, and I love that this entire time she's just pulling every intimidation tactic in the book on this guy. Like all right. the way on his way there, he's like looking at the unsullied outside of his little, what, what is that thing called? Have we ever figured ah, it we out? We never figured it out. That's my next thing. I'm going to figure it out. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sorry too. I didn't figure it out either. Um, Carry this for two seconds and I'll find out what it's called. It's such a generic word too. 
Yeah, no, like, uh, she's just pulling, like, a lot of intimidation shit. She's kind of, like, doing the whole, like, throne thing in her tent where she's looking down at him, Uh and he's, you know, kind of low-key being condescending and threatening to her, and then she fucking brings out her dragon, and the guy's like, oh, fuck. That's the power move. I would have started with the dragon, and And then had the other two dragons show up at the end. (laughs) Here's some gold, buy some ships, get the fuck out, and she's like, um, how about fucking no? I'm gonna liberate all your slaves. And he's like, Well, I'll take my gold back. And she's like, Um, no, no that was a present. You yeah. gave that to me. You know, don't be a fucking Indian giver guy. Well, hey, uh, I'm not gonna get into that, but okay. <laughs> oh, no. By the way, it's called a litter, by the way. The things that they carry kings around on is called a litter. And I knew oh, it was a, a litter? Yeah. Like I a litter it. of puppies? Yeah, basically. It's a vehicle. Litter. Look it up. Um, from there though, let's let's jump out of here really quickly. We have Shay and Tyrion, and this scene kind of broke my heart because, like, I get it. You know, like it makes I get annoyed with Shay a lot because Shay is like doesn't seem to understand the imminent danger that she's in, and she just keeps fucking this up for Tyrion. But he genuinely loves her. He wants something to happen. Like he's trying to pitch the situation. He's like, "Listen, I'll buy you a fucking house. I'll give you nice clothes and shit." Like. But I have to be mad. This is my duty. I'm, I have to. You know what I mean? And she's not having it. It kind of broke my heart, man. I was a little sad about it. Yeah. It's like you – I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like you understand both sides emotionally where they're at. Like you understand why Shay is upset. Right. But at the same time, you're like you understand this guy doesn't really have a choice here, right? But at the same time – like it's like you get it, but you, you get him too. Um, and it's just a sad thing to see. Because they, yeah. these two people have like genuinely grown to love each other. Like this is kind of like the Braun thing we were talking about a little bit. Like this started off as a contractual money situation, and it grew into some, something much deeper for the both of them. Right. She legitimately loves him. Well, I mean, that's kind of what makes next season a little fucking weird for me because I do feel like there's love here, but we'll get to that when we get to that. I know we say that a lot. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> let's jump very quickly to uh, Gendry and Melisandre. So. At this point, like, you know, like the last episode, she went and got him already, already back. You know what I mean? Like she's trying to prove that there's power in King's blood. And so for a second, you think there's going to be like, you know, another sex position scene here where she's just like going to get naked and like whatever. Mm-hmm. She does get naked to her credit. She did her part. <laughs> to her credit. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't fuck him, dude. She ends up putting like leeches on him. And at that point, Davos comes out and Stannis and... Do we miss that scene? We might have missed that scene where like Davos lets him out. Am I wrong about this? You know what I'm talking about? Where we're Stan- where Davos is in prison and Stannis lets him out. It might be this episode. I just might have missed it. Yeah, we. Did, I don't think we did talk about it. If we did not, then yes, right. Stannis does let Davos out because um, Melisandre is talking about you know taking Gendry and you know fucking killing him for his blood basically. Right. Yeah, and Stannis is saying without saying it like, hey. Um, I, I need your counsel. I need a I second need opinion on gonna, this motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I need someone who's going to counsel against this. And Davos says exactly that. He's like, yeah. yeah, dude, like there's a reason you're down here and talking to me right yeah, now. Yeah, you could have came yesterday. You could have came tomorrow, but you came today. And yeah. like the reason. And it's a really powerful scene. It's, it's That's the weird thing. Stannis is so like fucking emotionally stunted, it seems, that this is the most he can give you, you know? And it's still like right. pretty if you could see it for what it is. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty sweet scene. I dug it a lot. Um, and then, of course, like I said, the, that whole power play is the reason they're doing the, you know, test, the leeches, is because Sir Davos is like, you need to show me some fucking proof 
I need to know right. that you're not just going to murder a kid for no reason. You know what I mean? Also, the level of loyalty on fucking Davos at this point, putting no. up with all this shit. Like he was he's... so kind of nice to Stannis about being in jail. He's like, they yeah. feed me. I couldn't ask for much more. Like, yes, you could. Like, fresh well, air, he... some fucking water. Like, what do you mean, dude? Have we clarified the background here? Because like Davos was the one who got past the blockade and got food to Stannis and basically saved the entire city. He had like a cart or a ship full of onions. Right. And like, but he stole at the same time, and that's why Stannis took his fingers. Yeah, the king's justice. So like the king's justice. So like in spite of the fact that he saved Stannis and everybody on Dragonstone, he also got punished for it. And ever since then, Davos has been completely loyal to Stannis. Um, so it's an interesting dynamic there, but like that that's the amount of love that Stannis has bought there. And somehow that's enough for Davos to be like, okay, I'll put up with being marooned, coming back, you sentencing me to die, putting me in the fucking dungeons, whatever. Like, I'm still on board. You pardoned me for my crime of saving you. If everyone had a Davos, like this shit wouldn't be like even in later seasons. I think like whenever John's fucking around, a Davos is like his guy. It's just like we if if you if we had two Davoses a piece, man, we could take over this fucking world because that's uh, you need one loyal motherfucker. You know, you have two loyal motherfuckers, it's over. And Davos is that motherfucker. Um, really quickly, really quickly, Arya runs out. She's mad at the Brotherhood without banners. They they hear that Lannisters are nearby. Let's ride south. Let's go kill those motherfuckers, right? She doesn't like right. it. She runs off into the night. Beric Dondarrion's like, go get her. But hound waiting for her, man. Again, a little weird. Why is the hound just sitting out there, right? He's got his freedom and he's just chilling like a click away. I did say a click. I assume that's how they <laughs> measure distance. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did say a click. I'm sorry. Um, can I just tell you for a second? I went into sideways mode. I went into like the part where Thomas Aiden Church comes back naked. He's like, I ran here from Reseda. He's like, Jesus Christ, that's 14 clicks. You're damn right it's 14 clicks. <laughs> I don't know why. It just made me laugh so fucking hard. Uh, but yeah, so the hound grabs Arya. Now she's, and he's like, don't try screaming. I'm like, it's not going to matter. I got you. Yeah. And again, precarious. But I think, I don't think we're too worried about her. We kind of know the hound's heart. You know, he's like a good dude, mostly. Yeah, I mean, he, he we, we already saw he didn't hurt Sansa, you know, at this point. Well, He's Arya got, doesn't he, know that. That's the point. She she gets told She that doesn't know that, but, but we know that, like, as right. an audience. So so we're not like, oh, Arya's, like, going to get killed in the next episode, maybe. Like, no, she's fine. Right. Um, okay, she, how about this? Let's jump in. This is one of those, the, the, this whole fucking running, the whole series of scenes is so good. Jamie and Brienne, uh, Jamie's about to take off. Um, he has this, like, nice little moment for a second with 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 uh brianne and he's like i owe you a debt like i, I don't know i don't know how i can pay it but i will and then she goes on to be like listen i made a promise to catelyn stark like now that promise is yours it's a really fucking sweet scene because again they were so antagonistic but throughout their travels right like they uh i don't want to make like this a mark twain thing you know what i mean but like you know huck finn kind of a racist douchebag until he's stuck on a raft with with like jim right and yeah. then he learns oh my god we're the fucking same it's like jamie was hanging out with someone that old jamie would have thought was inferior as fuck and somehow has come to really love and respect and i kind of love it man and they earned it that's the thing it was like over a full season so when you get this moment or the one mm -hmm. after this you fully understand the emotional weight behind it that jamie doesn't want to leave brianne that Brand's fucking horrified and she's driven by honor that even though she knows that she's probably going to be raped and fucking killed the only yeah. thing on her mind is the promise that she made to a dead woman which oh she's not dead yet but you know what i'm saying like honestly I, I can't think of another love story on this show that i like more 
than the love story between Brienne and, and Jamie. And I'm not because it's saying not it's a, a love romantic story. love. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it, it is like pure actual love that is yeah. earned. You know, a lot of the relationships you see on the show are usually either fleeting or have a long history like Ned and Catelyn due to arranged marriage, whatever. Right. Like this is just two people who grow to respect each other, two very different people. And right. they can just look at each other and you see that respect and that love. And I, yeah. I, I love that. No, it is, it is by thing. far. And it's really a heartbreaking thing to see him like not really have like a lot of fucking choice. Yeah, there's sure. a part in, in episode nine or 10, but when we get to it, I'll mention yeah. that because it's very interesting because it was like, uh, this should have been the culmination of something and it felt cold for me, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but really quick, let's jump over. So Theon again, this was, this was fucked up because of all the other fucked up shit, the Hannibal Lecter shit that this guy's been doing. Mm-hmm. He then, uh, you know, he's passed out. He wakes up and these women are untying him. And yeah. they're getting naked. They're like, oh, shit, let's see this giant Theon dick everyone's talking about, right? And uh, They well, do say that. That's basically in the parlance of their times, okay? <laughs> but, you know, that, that's the thing. And Theon for a second is like, okay, I've been tortured repeatedly, but, like, I'm not going to say no to this, right? So he's, like, kind of right. getting into it. I'm well, watching at, it like at, at, first he, at first he's like, where is he? Where is he? Like, where is he, my lord? And... <laughs> Yeah, 30 seconds of, like, you know, some hot ladies talking to him. He's forgot yeah. about his fucking torture or whatever. Um, this is also what I didn't realize is the first time I watched it, and I don't know her name, so you may have to help me, but this is the first appearance of, like, Ramsey's girl, the one yeah. that, like, fucks with Sansa later on. I was like, yeah, oh, that, that, that's her legal name, Ramsey's girl. Ramsey Squeeze, I called her in my notes, and I felt Ramsey like an squeeze. asshole for saying it. <laughs> but she, she's, she's around later seasons and shit like that, and I was like, oh, cool, this is the first thing. Um, yeah. This uh, scene ends with the Theon getting his dick cut off, man. Harsh, bro. Harsh. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's one word for harsh bro. castration. Harsh. Though. Harsh. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I mean, and there's not a whole lot more to say than that. It's just uh, it was harsh. Harsh <laughs> <laughs> too, man. Um, this comes into play later episodes, so we'll we'll, we'll cut back to that. Um, <laughs> by, by the way, doesn't um Ramsey have a horn in this scene? Doesn't he like blow the horn? And yeah, that's actually like terrible timing. That's one of the more explicit um, callbacks that, that we have to know that Ramsey was the one who was surrounding Winterfell. Oh, horn, in, that's right. Yeah. Where Theon says, when I like, I don't care if they put a thousand arrows in me, I'm going to kill that man. Again, I, I hate to say this, but I am so on team Ramsey here. dude. Like, I'm on team Tywin, team Ramsey, team everybody who is outsmarting these fucking Well, it, it's like, just hilarious to me to like rewatch the second season and I couldn't say it during our review and just picturing Ramsey outside of Winterfell just blowing a horn all day, having a great time, laughing his ass off. Like the psychological torture had already begun way back in season two. We just didn't know it. Oh my God, it was so fucking good. Um Let's cut very quickly back to Egret and John. They're walking, and there's this really cute scene where Egret doesn't know what a windmill is. <laughs> that, is that a castle? It's a windmill. It's, it's, it's a windmill. A, like, like he's <laughs> exasperated. He's like, "What are you talking about?" I think he says, "Like she's like, did some great lord or king build it?" He's like, "No, just like, no. the guy who lived here. Just whoever fucking lived here. I don't know." <laughs> It's oh, it's so adorable, man. Because again, you know nothing, Jon Snow, but like in this one specific instance, it seems like Ygritte is very, very she fucking legitimately doesn't know anything about windmills. She doesn't know about structures. <laughs> well, we get this really big scene too, where Ygritte and Jon are sort of talking to each other, and he's just like, "You won't win," <laughs> you know, like 
don't do it. Right. Like, I know what you're saying, but here's the thing. Like, I think five times in the history has, has there been a king of, uh, uh, beyond the wall who's decided he's going to come and five times the fucker is lost and like all your people are going to die. And uh, she's like, well, if I die, I die. You know what I mean? And like, we'll die together. Like, again, she's not getting the fucking hint here. I mean, she mm-hmm. knows that he's like still crowish at heart, but uh, at no point does uh, does it really occur to her that he's like gonna you know flip on her, right? Na- naivety, or maybe maybe she really just thinks he loves her that much. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I, she's obviously like pretty much pledged herself to him and thinks that he's pledged himself to her, and he's like right. taking this as opportunity to like level with her. Like, well, it is like one of the first scenes because she's like, "You'll die, all of you," and her face changes. Really great fucking. Act. It's like mm-hmm. reacting, not acting. And she's yeah, Rose, like, Rose Leslie, we really need to say is like wonderful. so wonderful. Yeah, in this uh, because in that scene, she and, goes from like like happy to like sharp eyed to like all of us. Like you're one right. of us. You know what I mean? And yeah, because like the thing is like we have to be sold on this love story in in a very short amount of screen time and, like, and it's I not think squinty I, eyes he's not yeah doing it, yeah the the one who's doing the heavy lifting is fucking rose leslie Absolutely. Like, she makes you believe it um any like another lesser actress would not have made this work right um god damn it that's just such a good scene very quickly we cut to uh osha and you know Brand and everyone, they're all chilling out in the King's Roads and blah blah blah. She doesn't want Jojen talking to Brand because she's fucking, you know, suspicious of everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, well, also creepy magic. kid who's convulsing and like talking about visions and shit. Um, because we should say though that like the the wildlings, like th- there's a lot of like weird mystical shit going on beyond the wall. Well, and this brings me to what I wanted yeah. to talk about with her because I told you I was really, I really love what they did with her last season, going from like you know a wildling who was gonna kill brand on his horse or at least steal his right horse, to being entrusted with the welfare and well-being right. of those kids to, to later saying in this season he means the world to me about right. brand it's fucking yeah. gorgeous but they hadn't done enough with her like we we know that she feared beyond the wall but we didn't really understand why so much because she right. witnesses she tells that tale of her husband and how he left and how he came back but he wasn't her husband anymore you know what i mean i'm like yeah you see that firsthand it's like fuck like that yeah, one scene does so much for that character max because because you need to remember like what she must have had to go through to get oh over God, or around the wall you know the reason was is because she was terrified it wasn't because she wanted to you know you know rape and pillage along the countryside of westeros or whatever she was escaping something but it also makes you really she was get it right yeah. because the whole time she's been like i'm not going back north like maybe yeah. she didn't press it with enough urgency to, to really get us there but like, when you realize that she's been saying it over and over again like she ain't going back to the wall. there's those fucking ice zombies right. yeah why didn't she start with that like trust me ice zombies right and in the book are there like ice spiders and shit like that like mm-hmm. fuck that yeah like and i think uh nan uh old lady in season it's one season very one. minor character listen yeah we completely um, glossed over this it's one of the funniest parts of the whole thing because they just do a slow zoom and the music gets on right and she's where like, it's like a horror yes. thing or something like that and she's like they have ice spiders and giants and all and this like broken shit. because i think rob yeah. walks in or something and, and then it just mm-hmm. comes back he's like <laughs> are you telling brand some scary bullshit again and she's like just telling him what he wants to hear so um good. sorry i know that's completely the past right. i don't know but, if we talked about it but what we get confirmation especially in the books what we get confirmation of is that everything old nan was talking about is real like this right. is not the shit of storybooks or whatever like this shit is out there right yeah i wonder and this isn't related to the related to the episode but i wonder if every winter and i know there have been long springs and shit right like i understand mm-hmm. that but 
I wonder if every winter, like there are, there are more sightings of those mysterious creatures. You know what I mean? Like I know the walls there. I know that's the point. It's like a natural border and shit like that. But the fucking wildlings are getting over there. I, well, I guess the ice wall is protected by like a spell, right? It has some magical incantation on yeah, it. Yeah, it's got some magic in it. All right, so that's why they can't just feel it. I was just wondering because yeah. it's like if it gets really wintry, it's just like maybe they, there's more sightings. Not of white walkers, but of those like ice spiders and all the other shit that you end up seeing in the north, you know? Mm. Very interesting question. I'm going to do a deep dive on that. I, I want to do so many separate deep dive like extreme avenues into Game of Thrones, like religion. And yeah. uh, the, the zoology of, of Game of Thrones. We could start an entire podcast and never run out of material to talk about with Game of Thrones. Like, that's how detailed this world is. It's a little nuts. Right. Um, okay, so I don't want to spend too much time there. I'm sorry. Uh, we cut back to Jamie really quickly. He's now uh, gone, you know. He left Bran behind. Very, very sad. Blah, 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 blah. He's getting his, uh, his wound tended to by that fucking crazy meister who's not a meister. What's his name again? I'm sorry. Oh, um, Kyburn. Kyburn. Okay. So that dude, it's again, they give him a little bit of exposition. We're like, I, I sort of get you, but yeah. like, he is the Dr. Frankenstein. He literally is Dr. Frankenstein of this world. Like right. he's going well, to the poorhouse and like getting homeless drunk dudes who are dying. Yeah. Cause J- Jamie's like, why don't you have your chains? Which like signifies you're an official like maester or whatever. Right. And he's like, well, uh, they didn't like my methods. And he's like, what were your methods? And like Jamie basically guesses, Oh, you were doing experiments on poor people who wouldn't be missed. And he's right. like, well, the you know opportunity to like to study diseases and shit on living people saved probably millions of people down the line. Sure, and and, and you and, can't that dude that gets into those really fucking weird like uh you know, what's 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 the who is it Kant the greatest amount of good for the greatest amount of people like you start to get into those fucking ethics mm-hmm. and you're like it gets fucking tricky man it's the yeah. trolley problem all over again isn't it like it is it is jamie does get a zinger in there though a little bit where where Kyburn's like how many people have you ever like how many people have you killed and how many people have you saved right. and like jamie's like well the population at king's landing no big deal <laughs> all right for a second he, he resorts back to shitty jamie lannister for like <laughs> half a second cocky as a motherfucker he's like right. yeah the whole of king's landing you piece of shit <laughs> Uh, but it's still it's still a good thing, and that's an important little detail you need for later seasons. Again, it's like when we compare this to Wire, it's because they do so much of like giving you the breadcrumbs for what will be the following season. Right. Um, and it's just it's really it's a phenomenal thing to go back and watch, knowing what you know. You're like, oh shit! Like they knew what they were doing the whole time, you know? Yeah. Which is which is always fun. Um, from there, let's jump to the scene I really love. Jamie at the end of that scene decides he's going to go back. He goes back, and Brienne is literally in a fucking pit with a goddamn grizzly bear with a wooden sword, Max. Mm-hmm. If there was one moment where you're finally like, okay, I'm on the Jamie bandwagon, like, just purely, right. like, look, in the history of television, I'm sure there's really romantic moments, but there's, like, there's two that stand out to me. Obviously, this one is huge, and then the other one is, like, Sawyer jumping from the helicopter and lost when he whispers into Kate's ear, like, sacrificing himself so she may get off that island, and, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, my God, like, this dude jumps into a fucking bear pit, Max, to <laughs> save her, and he's got one hand. It's not like it's his good hand. We've already seen him not be able to fight. Going right. down there is like he knows he's probably not going to get out and he still jumps down there to save her. I, and I wrote in my notes, is this the fucking moment? Are we officially on Team Jamie after this scene? I mean, it's kind of hard not to be. Like, and again, you have to remember, like, the very first episode, he pushed a young boy out of a window because he was caught fucking his sister. But, you know. It's a tall order. It's a tall he order. He saves a lady from a grizzly bear, so it evens itself out karmically, probably. 
God, it's so good. And the whole scene is actually pretty fucking thrilling. And the one bears are scary. I know that I've said on this podcast, I want a bear as a pet, but that's not real. Like there's, they're terrifying killing godless machines. And uh, yeah, um, really well done effect too. Like you believe the bears there with him the whole time. I don't know exactly how it was done, but it's fucking really scary and really well directed. They got that revenant guy. That's what rats off to you. Yeah. Oh, we got the Revenant guy. Whoever was that? You've seen the Revenant scene, right? Where the guy's like in a green screen thing the whole time, pretending he's a bear. I actually have not seen the behind the scenes. Incredible! Like it really is. You're just like, man, the movies, right? The pictures. (laughs) Was he just beating up Leonardo DiCaprio like in a green screen? Yeah, literally. Yeah, it's fucked up. It looks like he's like dry humping DiCaprio the whole time because that's like the way the green screen works. But anyway, I'll show I'll show you the VFX reel afterwards. Trust me. But uh, that episode ends. They get pulled up, and uh, Jamie is a fucking hero somehow, and Brienne is sadly fucked up a little bit, but she's safe, and you know, uh, he lets him go. <laughs> That's basically what happens. Like against his best wishes, he's just like, "Do you want my fucking father to know what fucking happened here?" And the guy kind of cowers, you know. Um, right. Well, I, I also like that he kind of pits Bolton's people against each other because one of Bolton's men was tasked with bringing Jamie Lannister back to King's Landing alive, and it's like, yeah, like well, I'll that's what fucking happened. That's go why he through you, Locke. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just like, I got to bring him back alive. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man, it works. There's obviously not a united front on the Boltons, but they're still failing upwards somehow. The Boltons are so. Yeah, they got Heron Hall. They're moving on up. Right. Uh, it's a great fucking ending to an episode. This brings us to episode eight, though, uh, which I believe is entitled Second Sons, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. Right, um, which is another double meaning title. They got real cute with that this season. Yeah, fucking. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Fucking DB. <laughs> fucking hate this guy. I feel like Benioff is the only good one, and DB Weiss is just there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> doesn't do a goddamn thing. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you which one is which to like, save my life. Like, it would be a real roll of the dice. I, I don't um, know. Benny offered a 25th hour, so I kind of like him. I knew him before Game of Thrones. But uh, episode eight, Second Sons, it begins with Arya and the Hound, right? And a familiar thing, by the way, like that image of her side saddle and him like riding with her. Like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of love it, dude. And, and it's in that scene where she, um, where he, he tells her about Sansa and how Sansa, like he was. You can ask her if when you, next time you see her, like they would have left her for dead and cut her throat if not for me. I was the only one who came back. She doesn't believe it. But again, it's the first sign that maybe she's starting to see another side of the hound. In her defense, the only side of the hound that she's seen is the one who killed a fucking innocent butcher's boy. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not, it's not a great side. first impression. Right. Speaking of first impressions, though, because <laughs> all that happens in that scene, and I want to transition, all that happens there is like, I'm taking you to the twins because your brother and your, your, your uh, mom will be there. And they'll They'll sell you right. back and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because at um, this point, Arya is like, like, what horrible shit is going to happen to me? He's like, no, I'm going to take you to the twins. I'm right. going to be like reunited with your family. Uh, the, uh, the intro of the second son. So again, we're back at Yunkai at this point, And we mm-hmm. see that the slavers have commissioned a fucking uh, sellsword army of sorts. They call themselves the second sons, right? Right. The, uh, the, I believe we pick up immediately with the, the three representatives of sorts, the, the, the commander, lieutenant, captain, motherfuckers. Yeah. They all go to the tent, and that one guy is the righteous piece of shit. Like, I kind of, again, I don't know why, but part he's of me was le- like, I like He's him. leaning so far into being the most sexist pig that he right. can that it's almost charming. It's almost like it reverts back to feminism somehow. Like, that's how <laughs> I thought about it. I was like, look, he's, he loves women so much. Like, <laughs> 
But I also like it because it's old Dario De Harris, which we'll have a fucking field day with this in episode one of season four. <laughs> like the amount right. of like full name times that they say Dario De Harris. But um, right. we kind of get to the point where she's like, well, listen, I'll pay you double, triple, whatever they're paying you. And they're like, look, we have honor. If we break our contract, then no one else will work with us. And, you know, uh, right. there's, there's a little trepidation on everyone. And again, being really shitty to, it's, what's her name? It's close to Melisandre, but it's not like uh, her interpreter. Melisandre? Sunday, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, just being a sexist piece of shit to her, smacking her ass, like drinking wine. I think Danny even gives him like a barrel of wine to be like, peace. Yeah, and doesn't he like immediately like sidle up next to Danny or whatever? And he's just like, hey, like fucking sit right. on my face or whatever gross shit he's saying. Yeah, it's a lot it's not of great. gross shit. Yeah, it's like one of those comments would have been enough, but I think there's six <laughs> in, in rapid succession, so it's like, it, not very good. <laughs> and Danny's like rolling with it to her credit, like right. she's just like fucking water up ducks back like yeah this guy's a piece of shit and then as he's leaving um she turns to barris and selmy and she's like if it comes to war kill that one first and he's like with pleasure you grace barris is such a badass um from there let's jump very quickly to gendry meets stannis so i guess we fucked this up a little bit because i thought we we already said that the davos thing happened in last episode but i guess it's this episode so i apologize but davos uh you know is one learning to read which is still a big deal Mm. i mean we got that thread but you see him like, can I just tell you the unabashed joy I felt when he learned a word? He, like, recognized a word. <laughs> he was like, right. no. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if we maybe skipped over something in the last episode, though. I do want to really make clear um, what Melisandre was doing with uh, Gendry in that episode when she's, like, stripped out naked and she throws leeches on him. Um, then she throws those leeches into the fire, or Stannis does, and says, like, this is for the traitor Rob Stark and mm-hmm. for the you know, bastard uh, Joffrey and this and that, and for uh, Balon Greyjoy. Um, so, like, throwing each leech into the fire for... The, In that scene as well, yeah. Know, well, the other thing to... Against. The other thing to mention there uh, is the fact that Stannis confirms it. He's like, look, I, saw, I looked into the flame. You know what I saw? I saw, like, a great battle in the snow. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, again, confirmation. Because I think that that's the thing we, we kind of keep coming back to is, like, in that scene, Stannis is like, you saw her birth like a shadow thing, okay? Yeah. Like, I looked into the flames and I saw something. Like, they're clearly, how can you deny that her god isn't real? You know what I mean? Like, it's right. kind of a really fucking good scene. And again, I'm sort of on, on like, on his side a little bit. I mean, because yeah. we're talking about, like, irrefutable proof. I mean, like, that's all the New Testament is, right? Jesus goes around doing, like, magic tricks and shit. People are like, oh, shit! So this is the equivalent of that, like, except it's more proof, you know? It's not like David playing Jesus or whatever. I probably um, shouldn't get too into this, but just the idea of, like, Jesus walking around, like, making coins disappear, and people are like, let's start a religion, guys. This is right. the one. <laughs> um, let's quick uh, cut back very quickly to uh, King's Landing. And at this point, Santa now knows that Loras is to be married off to uh, Cersei, and she's not going to get the romantic wedding she wants. She's instead going to be marrying Tyrion. And there's a scene where Tyrion actually goes up to her quarters. And uh, it's awkward. It's sad because she doesn't really know how to, to like, you know, in her mind, he's, he's just a Lannister. And every mm-hmm. Lannister is made equal. And that's obviously not true. But from her perspective, you get it. Um, by the end of it, there seems to be like a weird sort of shaky truce a little bit. You know, he's like, do you drink wine? He's like, when I have to. Yeah. Have to today. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, which again, you're right. They do a really good job of faking you out because there are so many fucking weddings just happening in the same time yeah. period that you're like, which one's the red wedding? Right. Um, um, this one gets lost in the shuffle a lot in the conversations, and I know we'll get into it as we go into the episode, but I really, really love it 
um, it's, oh, it's, great. Uh, it's overshadowed for obvious reasons later on because the other two are like pretty big deal. Right. But um, no, it's, yeah. it's still great for all the reasons that we'll mention here in a moment. Um, mm. Another scene very quickly in King's Landing, Marjorie and Cersei kind of love it. couple reasons. One, the Reigns of Castamere mention. All right. We heard the Brothers, Brotherhood Without Banner singing it in an earlier episode. We now yeah. get the exposition of what happened to that family, which is really fucking telling. Right. Um, I, I love that at least in the universe of the show, there are all of two songs with words in all of Westeros. It's the Bear and the Maiden Fair right. and Reigns of Castamere. <laughs> I mean, but it's really good. I mean, because it's a cautionary tale. It's a it's a Moby Dick of sorts, right? It's like, you know, it's interesting. They were the second wealthiest family. Hey, aren't the Tyrells the second wealthiest family? <laughs> Just like right. really handing it up. And I love that all of this, this ruthlessness, this fucking like, you know, epic three-dimensional chess that, that Cersei's playing is because Marjorie had the fucking gall to be like, we'll be sisters. You know? Yeah. And then, and then at the end, Cersei like drops all pretense and she's like, if you call me a sister again, I'll have you killed in your sleep. Oh, um, I, I do also love that in the background, um, they're all in the Sept of Baylor waiting for the wedding ceremony to start. Um, you see Loras and it's never acknowledged, but you see Loras in this long tracking shot in the background, like talking up some dude and he sees Cersei and immediately goes like, Oh fuck. And like gets out of frame. Right I have away. not seen that, but that's incredible, man. Uh, that is fucking wonderful. And I love, that's like such a little thing that like mm -hmm. one of the directors just gave us. Um, but yeah, dude, really good. The, uh, at this point, like we're getting married, right? Then we have yeah. Tyrion and we have Sansa and uh, Joffrey's a piece of shit. One, he walks Sansa down the aisle, which is fucked mm. up. Number one. Yeah, he's like, remember how I cut off your dad's head? Uh, now, I'm, of the now I have to walk you down the aisle. I'm the father Jesus of the Christ. Like, this guy, and it's, well, again, we'll get to it, but later things. Well, what, what every girl wants to hear on her wedding day, how the guy walking her down the aisle killed her dad. But also to an arranged marriage that she never had agency over. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, this right. didn't get fucking worse. And so anyway, this happens, and they even have, like, a little step stool for Tyrion, but Chaffrey very loudly <laughs> removes it and again i don't i shouldn't root for him but kind of a badass move. like it's cruel but again he gets bested by his uncle all like every villain in this season it's so ridiculous honestly it really is but i kind of love it because it's just this short of them twirling a mustache and winking at the camera Right. It really, I mean, it's the Empire Strike Back season. It's like the villains won, man. It's the bad news bears. Like, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, but yeah, so embarrasses them really bad. You're supposed to cloak them in your, you know, in your fucking whatever that is. Like, with a cloak. Yeah. Well, and you say, cloak. like, I'm putting you under my protection. Exactly. It's, it's like, like the, this symbolic thing. In the way the veil is or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and like, just to get into religion very, very quickly because you hear them what, saying what their vows. Celebrate? Yeah. What is, what is their, like, it's, it's the light, it's the light of the seven. Um, and the idea is that like a God is comprised of seven components. And I heard Martin talking about this, like the inspiration for that was Catholicism and or Christianity in general but just the idea that like there's the father the son the holy spirit and in some this people version, pray to, to the virgin mary if you're catholic like you pray right. to saints and shit yeah, and totally. and in this one and i'm i don't remember all of them but it's like you're praying to the stranger and the crone and the this and the that like it's just seven instead of three like the idea that like god can have seven components so right that's pretty um, much it thought that was but, interesting no it's really like i said i want to do a whole other separate thing just exploring religion and like trying to find the analogs in the real world because that shit is so fascinating to me um very quickly let's jump back so now we're at the fucking wedding everyone's partying and everyone's drinking sort of elena's making a bunch of jokes because she can uh Tyrion's fucking hammered <laughs> uh which is i mean he's hammered a lot but this one's really good <laughs> this is the most hammered we've ever seen him 
Right. Because, well, because here's the thing. Say what you want about him. He's never not in control with the exception of when he goes against Tywin. Everyone else, mentally, he mm-hmm. can best. Uh, like, you know, in a, in a verbal spar. Um, the whole crux of this is like, hey, you married this fucking Stark girl. You need to do your fucking duty. You need to go. Right. And he's her. like, he's literally lording over him. And Tyrion is sinking into his chair and like just dribbling wine out of his mouth. He's never been lower. Like, it's right. such a... It's such a hard thing to watch, and he's like, "You need to stop drinking. You need to be able to perform." And right. Tyrion's and like, "Well, it's never stopped me before." Uh, he um, also gets to say he's the god of tits and wine. I which, am like, the god of tits and wine. Look, <laughs> um, you know, I used to get shitty that Michael Jackson named himself the King of Pop. I was like, "Who the fuck are you to give yourself a nickname?" But in this instance, oh my god, apt, apt title, man. All about that um, shit. A little great comedy grace note, by the way, when uh, Tywin finally walks away from Tyrion, obviously disgusted after like dressing him down for getting drunk, Tyrion then proceeds to pour himself another glass of wine while staring down his dad. Like he won't do that while his dad's looking at him, but like he'll get that last word in. Right. It's like Love it's it. like when your mom or dad, I, you were a good kid, but me, my my parents would say something, and I would do like me, 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 behind their back. Yeah. But then it's like, literally her. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh god i love it uh but yeah man uh cersei and loris there's a <laughs> there's a really great comedic scene again in mm-hmm. the same scene in the wedding or whatever where they're just trying to talk to her out in the bay right they're overlooking the things like you know my father used to say <laughs> she's like no one cares <laughs> no one cares what your father immediately used to say. yeah like doesn't even look at the guy Oh my God, it's so good though. Uh, and then in the same scene, so this is where it gets weird for me. And there are a couple of times I wrote notes about being like really freaked out about it. Um, but so there's a scene where now Joffrey like straight up basically threatens to rape Sansa repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like yeah. that? If not, I'll have Sir Marin Trent hold you down. Like just like we're beyond any. Right, because Sansa's at least like, okay, like at least I'm married to, to Tyrion and like right. Joffrey can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, I can do anything I want. And she's right. like, I'll never be free of these fucking people. See, that's not the scene that made me freak out for a second. There's one that actually freaked me out. And it's uh, it's two scenes from now. So the next one immediately is now like, oh, it's time for the bedding ceremony. And again, mm-hmm. to just embarrass his fucking uncle more than anything else. Like, it's the one time where he, you know, mm-hmm. can fuck with him and he can't do much back. And this is what I meant right. about... Which is a a fun Westerosi custom where everybody watches the bride and groom fuck on their wedding night to make sure that like the consummation happened totally normal, legit. You you have at least 60 witnesses. It didn't happen, man. (laughs) Like you gotta have a whole, you know, like in the gas chamber, they have like the gas chamber, but then they have like the observation booth or whatever. Right. That's what it is. You need to make sure that it went through. Um, But the very next scene is like, let's have the bedding ceremony, blah, 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 blah. Let's go, let's go. And he's like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, I'm the king. You'll do it if I tell you to do it. Fucker pulled a dagger and he's like, and then you'll have a wooden cock or something. Like, I forget what the actual insult is, but again, he's fucked up. And this is what I'm saying. Like, he's always drunk, but he's always got his wits about him. In this moment, he is, this is treasonous, what he has just done in front of everyone. He's He's threatened threatened to to castrate the king. (laughs) <laughs> and and Tywin is just like a, a joke, Your Grace. Uh, yeah. Tyrion is obviously very drunk. Which, listen, that's like charity from Tywin Lannister. Like, yo, here's your fucking lifeline because you need to walk this back immediately. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see it. You see it in Dinklage's face. He's like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm just a bad joke. I drank too yeah. much. I'm sorry. Like, right. Jesus Christ, man. That whole scene is amazing. Uh, and then it brings us to the scene that actually did fuck with me, where I'm like, I want to talk about this for a minute. And it happens again in a later episode. 
but Tyrion uh, and Sansa are in the chambers now, and mm-hmm. like he's like, I have to consummate this, and there's just this part where well, like, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say before we get there, just funny moment with Tyrion where he's drunkenly walking with Sansa to their chamber or whatever, and right. he's like. I threw up on a go once in the middle of the act. Not proud I of it. Thought it we should be honest, be honest as man and wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but no, I, I just wanted to mention that. I thought it was fucking. Oh funny. no, there's a bunch of comedy. That's the thing. But then it brings us to scenes like this, where like she's like, we have to consummate this. And, yeah. Uh, and this is a 14 year old girl. He asked how old explicitly. you are. Yeah. yeah, and he's like 14. And then and then there's this part where she literally like doesn't say a word after that because he's like, oh, we yeah. have to do this. She just goes over and she drinks wine. And like, hold, like we never talk about her as an amazing actress because I don't think she does amazing things that often in the show. But right. in this scene, the look on her face, I was like, oh my God. Like, I yeah. can't even fucking imagine what right. that's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Tyrion even <sighs> takes a drink too. He's like, well, you're not getting any younger or whatever. Or what does he say? I forget <laughs> what he says. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It really, it really fucking broke my heart a little bit, man, in a way that I, I don't think I was really ready for. You know, and it's a, it's a silent performance. She just walks over and downs some wine because she's trying to dull the senses and get this over with. You know what I mean? Right. Just fucked up. I felt so bad. For and, her. And, and like, and on first watch, like it was really uncomfortable because you're like, oh, is is the show gonna go there? Like, right. is is this gonna happen? And right. obviously, no, it does not happen. Tyrion's a good dude. He's like, I won't do yeah. that until uh, you know, like until a- you want it to happen. And she's like, what if I never do? And he's like, well, now my watch has ended <laughs> or something. Like, which is adorable. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Yeah. He's and drunk, he, he, he remembers he, his callbacks. But... He sleeps on a little uh, ottoman or whatever, <laughs> watching out for the king. Because right. the king does threaten in front of a room full of people, like, maybe I'll come visit your bride later. And that's when he says, well, you'll be fucking my bride with a wooden cock. Damn. Yeah. He's badass. He don't give a fuck, man. That's all I'm saying. If he was if he was Jamie size, this fucker would have taken over the world as well. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Or maybe Seriously. if he was Jamie size, he wouldn't be the fucking brilliant person that he is because that's the one thing he can control. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's all survival, man. Yeah, dude. Um, let's cut back to Yunkai very quickly. Uh, two things I want to mention. One, we have the uh, second son sort of de- like, you know, deliberating amongst themselves. And they kind of say like, all right, we'll end this easy. One of us will sneak in at night. We'll just slit her throat. We'll get this over with. Who does it, right? And so they start talking about like what they're fighting for. Oh, I'm fighting for money. Oh, I'm fighting for blah, 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 blah. But Dario is just like, I fight for beauty. And I want to be like, boo, gay? Like, I really <laughs> want to do that. And by the way, that's Chang saying gay. That's not me making gay derogative. I'm just quoting a show. <laughs> Thank but you for clarifying. It needed to be clarified, sir. Um, like, we're yeah, no, and I also want to bring up the the actor playing uh, Dario Naharis in this season leaves after this season. Um, and I forget exactly why he was recast uh but he's played by ed screen who was ajax in deadpool and not many other things i think he was in the transporter or like the hitman one of those movies yeah he's been in like a couple of weird movies but like he's been around left game (laughs) for this you know like you think he regrets that now like because the thing is it was a big show but it wasn't the fucking juggernaut it was until i think like the season like red wedding is when people were like oh my god we have to yeah Show. Well, yeah. I think the show, I, I don't know, ratings wise, like it, it became a water cooler show after Ned Stark's death. Um, Battle of the Blackwater definitely was like, still, I think one of, if not the best episodes the show's done and definitely like a holy right. shit moment for television in terms of scale. Uh, Reigns of Castamere, though, I think was the defining the moment. We'll, yeah. yeah, we will get into that for Absolutely. sure. But 
Um, um, yeah. Oh, but but so let's stay there quickly because uh, Dario basically says he's fighting for beauty. They they take coins and basically it's like the pulling of straws. You know what I mean? Like whoever gets the short straw. So Dario ends up getting the um, the coin from Bravos, and he's mm-hmm. gonna he's tasked with going into there and to kill him. And so I'm just gonna cut from all the other scenes and just go how to the, how that plays out, which is now um, Danny is like taking a bath and Masande's there and uh, everything's like I guess copacetic, right? <laughs> but she's vulnerable. She doesn't have anyone really guarding her. And suddenly, like, someone has a blade to uh, her neck. Not Danny. Sorry, Masande's neck, right? Yeah. And uh, he takes the mask off. Dario Naharis, he's like, uh, yo, this look what I got. Danny's in the bath, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so that's something I do want to bring up um, just really briefly is, yeah. like, uh, be, because there were rumors back in the day, like, after season three or four or something, that an actress was refusing to do any more nude scenes. And, like... Uh, it, it ended up being Amelia Clark. Um, right. And it is kind of uncomfortable like watching this show now. And for some reason it didn't register the first time I watched it, like how unnecessary a lot of the nudity really is like right. in this scene, like, yeah, she's vulnerable, but like you could have accomplished that same, you know, fucking tone without her being like nude for the whole thing. Right. I don't know. No, I'm not trying no, to like the, white knight it here, but it's just like kind of a weird thing that like, it's weird how uh, far that conversation has come. Right. I mean, but uh, again, the conversation for a later thing, Cersei in season five, the, her famous or yeah, her famous like walk or whatever is yeah. not her. They yeah, also got to not actually her, which is good. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't want to make this into a whole thing, but we've talked about this before. Uh, HBO shows now starting with the deuce and now for mm-hmm. all the future ones have this thing called like an intimacy coordinator. And their job is to literally go in there and make sure it's perfunctory, non-sexualized, non-exploitative. And the thing is, you can tell early on in this show, like HBO has always had that known, oh, it's where tits and violence happens, right? Like you've heard that. It's always, but there's always been great stories being told also, but but those stories would be just as good if we didn't see the bada bing 15 times an episode, right? Like it's the idea that like, I'm totally with you. Um, And I think this might've been the last time she actually appears nude on the show. It so, might actually be, yeah, but like it is just so unnecessary. So, right. um, just an interesting thing to note. That's all. But yeah, like D- Dario basically pledges the yeah, second sons and to shows the and, decapitated heads, man. It's yeah, and, and I was just thinking, like, man, did you have to? Do they always have to dump the fucking severed heads on the floor? Like now somebody's got to scrub yeah, that stain that. out. Like this is a nice tent. And, like they've got to fucking clean that rug. I don't give a fuck. They're just over here fucking everything up, man. Because it's not his problem. He's just a second son. He's gonna do whatever maybe, he wants. But yeah, maybe maybe they send him a bill or something. <laughs> send it to my accountant. Um, let's cut very quickly back to King's Landing. It's the next day. Shay comes in. Tyrion's all drunk over there, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's like, "You should really learn to knock <laughs> or whatever." And she just um, slams down a thing like, "I have your breakfast," and glares at him. Well, she goes like, and she's taking she's off gonna, the sheets or whatever. Exactly. To kind of yeah. see if the deed was done, so to speak. And it yeah. wasn't. And a little smile creeps over her face. Like, what he told you he wasn't going to fucking do it. Like, right. it bothers me. I, I like her. But at the same time, she just doesn't see. She tries to make every situation way more complicated than it needs to be. Like, repeatedly. So a little annoyed. But there's this, you know, slight moment that they have. So let's end the episode, sir. We're going to jump back to Sam and Gilly. All right. Uh, they find like this old, I mean, it's just like some shelter, I guess. It's not Craster's Keep or whatever, but it's, you know, further out um, or further closer. Um, and they decide they're going to chill there for the night. And the winds are getting really bad. And a couple of ravens show up on the trees. And, you know, they're just hanging out. Everything's cool. And then 
they get into a philosophical conversation about a wink and a blink, which I thought was adorable. <laughs> like, I wrote that down because I needed to talk about it. He's like, that baby winked at me. I doubt it. <laughs> like, like I, I love that, like, she's arguing the point. He's just trying to say something adorable. You know, it's no. like when you say your dog is smiling at you, the dog's just panting. Like, right. like just let it go. But she's like, <laughs> no, like, the baby didn't smiling. wink at you. We need to be clear about this. Um, and, you know, that beautiful little conversation is interrupted by the fact that the ravens go silent, right? There's a lot of calling. It was, like, really loud. All right. of a sudden, complete silence. Sam goes out there. And out of the fucking shadows, man, a fucking walker. And we know why he's there, right? Because, you know, Gilly's father had been had this fucked up deal, and he was constantly giving the sons, right? This was his yeah. protection. His, uh, his, and yeah, babies you know, like, are like White Walker magnets, man. Right. They got honing beacons in on every newborn in Westeros, you know what I mean? So he's there for that. And Gilly, I think, even says that expressly. She's like, uh, he's here from, from a son or whatever. Right. And it's, it's like, can I just say something, too? It's like, look, I love Sam. But we've seen how fucking ruthless and evil these fucking White Walkers are. And it's now twice that, like, <laughs> he's seen a White Walker. White Walker could have killed him if it's just, like, all right, first time doesn't even, like, he's like, all right, what's up? And then keeps going. The second mm. time, it's like, he's got a weapon. He can clearly fucking kill him. But He instead, just knocks him off to the side. Right, he, like, like breaks his sword, freezes it, knocks, his, knocks him off to the side, keeps walking like the Terminator towards right. the baby. Yeah. And then, and then he does a fucking badass. He's got that dragon glass, right? And he just yeah. stabs in the back. He shatters. And one, it's awesome. I'm going to say this right off the bat because it's like we have seen them be so infallible for the most part. Like mm -hmm. we didn't know what weakness there was. And now we know that they have a weakness. Right. It's not an overabundance. It's not like there's a, a surplus of dragon glass hanging out. You know what I mean? And like even we don't even know that Valyrian steel is a thing until fucking two seasons from now, you know? So it's right. like. The, the idea is like they have a weakness, but it's in dramatic short supply is like a whole thing. But yeah. I, I like the episode because it shows it, the little bit of growth. Like, yeah, he's not a warrior. Sam would never be a warrior, but he was able no. to like take care of this woman. And you man. know what? Homie needed a win. He needed a little confidence right. boost. He just got dressed down about winks and blinks, you know, like he needed something. <laughs> so he gets to be the first person in Westeros history for the past like thousand years to kill a White Walker or whatever it is. I would have loved if he would have made like a one-liner, like a David Caruso, like, uh, was that a wink or a blink? Like, <laughs> puts on sunglasses, then says another one-liner, takes him off again. Yeah! Oh my God. And that would be the end of the episode. It would literally be like classes, credits, <laughs> right. like who starts playing. Plays the song by the who. Yeah. Oh my God, so good, <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, that brings us to episode nine, the big one, man. The, 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 the one people always talk about, the Reigns of Castamere. Uh, yeah, man. Like I said, this is one of those episodes where if you had to like Mount Rushmore a couple episodes of Game of Thrones, like obviously there are more subtle episodes. There are, there are more extreme action set piece episodes for sure. But this is the one that stands out because it really is the culmination of so like the, the if this if this is an act, right? The first three seasons have all been leading to this act break. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just what a wonderful fucking episode from the beginning. I loved it from the very beginning is the first shot are the chess pieces but like of this different sigils you know what i'm talking about so you have like you have the lion and you have the wolves and you have like all the strategizing going on and they they come to a very you know like plain fact which is like we we will not win <laughs> like we can't do it this is our one plan and it again goes back to walter frey right he's just like yeah. there's a there's a line where it's like do you think this would work and uh rob stark says if walter frey co cooperates <laughs> which like again the first time you're watching this you're like i you'll never know how important that line is that foreshadowing of like yeah if he cooperates we'll be fine if not we're sort of fucked here 
Right. And rewatching this, uh, once you know what's happening, like you really do start picking up the pieces, by the way, of like all the different things that it just seems so obvious what's going to happen. Right. Um, but on first watch, uh, at least I, I got it spoiled for me, but on first watch, like I think a lot of people were like kind of caught off guard by how this turns out. But you do get like people like fucking Bruce Bolton letting Jamie Lannister go and making inroads with Tywin. You see Tywin writing letters all season. Um, this is what's being planned. And right. Walter Frey, like a lot of conversations this season about how Walter Frey is not a man to be trusted. He's a coward. He's the the fucking uh, the late Walter Frey, right? right. Um, <laughs> which is great. And who is the actor that plays Walter Frey, by the way? Because I cannot praise him enough. If you want to talk about cartoonishly evil, mustache twirling... Right. Um, pieces of shit. Like he is just so good at being the biggest piece of shit in the world. Um, outside of Tywin, one of my favorite pieces of casting on this whole show. I'm not even right. kidding. David Bradley, uh, who we know from Potter and from every other fucking thing he's ever done, you know, but yeah. like really gets the shine here. I think it's not even a matter of acting. This is probably who he is all the time. And I, I can't imagine him being anyone else. Like he's a sweetheart in real life. No, this guy's a piece of shit. Well, and so I love we, it. the very next scene is like basically the phrase uh, receive the Starks and they're all going to talk. And there's this really fucking hilarious scene because the guy, again, the guy's an asshole, but he's hilarious. All right. I don't want to mm -hmm. take that away from him. He lines up all of his all of his daughters and granddaughters. Right. He's going through all of them. There's a part where he like cannot remember her name and she. Right. Keeps, it's uh, Mary. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and he goes to the mm -hmm. next. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. I love it. Um. So yeah. Anyway, sorry. So Danny, let's jump to Danny and the council, okay? Because basically, the Walter Frey thing is just like, yo, you scorned all these women. Rob had to. You know, say I'm really sorry I fucked up, but I did it because I love somebody. There's a great scene too, where right. he's just like, "Let me get a look at her." You thought putting that dress hider under that dress? He's like, "Listen, I would have broken fifty vows to get with that." You know what I mean? When I was your age, and right. a little disarming, right? Because I know that you're saying all the signs were there, but I feel like he, in that moment, yeah. But 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 watching, once they get there, like as you're watching it, even if you know what's happening, like you, it's it's sort of like one of those things where you're like, even though you know it's going to happen, a part of you starts believing hey maybe it won't in a weird way like oh like oh it's it's going well like they're fucking hanging out they're joking he gets it um yeah that's pretty much it we should make clear that like catlin and rob's plan at this point um if they get the phrase is to take casterly rock yeah uh which, more of a power move because they want to show that look the hand of the king can't hold his own home you know what i mean exactly like let's show lord tywin what it feels like to lose something lose he loves something love. yeah which yeah. is like a real rallying moment for catelyn as well because she delivers yeah. that line and, like, and that and that's yeah. another moment in this episode where they're they're teeing everything up to be like oh like this is going to be like the comeback this is like where rob right. stark picks it up runs with it doesn't um, happen <laughs> yeah and we'll get to that let's cut to danny across the uh the oceans and whatnot danny is having like a small council trying to figure out how they take the city and dario and harris is like listen there's like this back entrance we can go to they know me there we don't even need a whole army. We just need a couple people. And yeah. I think Jorah is the one who like tries to call bullshit on this. And he's just like, and what's to say you're not leading us to a trap? And Dario has this line. He's like, you know, in my experience, only dishonest people think that way. And again, we have to remind ourselves that Jorah may be a true believer now, but yeah, like you are here under false pretenses, guy. Like you, you are the dishonest fucker in this scenario. You're cast, you're throwing stones at Dario for why, you know? What I mean? Right. 
I, I do want to say like real quick, cause I haven't talked about Jorah's history in the books cause the show doesn't really get into it. And I might be misremembering a lot of this, but the reason Jorah was like selling slaves and shit was because he had a wife um, who was very, very demanding and her love was pretty much contingent on what he could give her materially. Aww. So he started like getting into some crazy backdoor dealing kind of shit to like please her. Because this guy in the books is like one of the ugliest motherfuckers in Westeros. Like, could not like get a woman. I feel like he made a book full of fuck ugly people, man. I feel like that's literally everyone is fucked up. (laughs) People have been living rough, man. There's a lot of you know inbreeding, a lot of harsh winters. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Life expectancy at this time, like 33. (laughs) Like every time I see a meister, I'm like bullshit. Like he would have (laughs) died. He would have contracted like fucking tuberculosis or some shit, but. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty good scene. And again, it kind of gives you a little bit of setup for like, yeah, a reminder more than anything else. Like, yo, you're not who you say you are. You may be a believer now, but this will come to a head later on, which I, mm. I really liked. Um, very small scene, but I want to mention it. <laughs> There's a scene where, where, uh, where, uh, Sam's kind of like giving a history lesson about shit over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> like Gilly just stops. And she's like, how do you know all that? It's <laughs> like, Oh, I read it in a book. You learned all of that from looking at scratches on a page. You're like a wizard. And I'm like, oh my God, good for you, Sam. You found someone right. who is so, again, like the fact that she's just never been around another man ever, really, has like helped him out dramatically. It's like her experience is literally Craster it's and Sam. Sam. <laughs> Which is horrific, but at the same time, you're this like- This is the this perfect is situation for Sam. For him, yeah, he's yeah. loving it. Like, you remember like in Bojack where, where, where the owl, the Lisa Kudrow is like, I've been in a coma for 30 years. And like, she just woke up. She just yeah. missed all the horrific things that Bojack had been doing. Same <laughs> situation. Like you couldn't ask for a better situation, man. Right. Oh, loved it. Um, all right. So quickly, let's jump back to Arya and the Hound. They're still on the road. They come upon a, a man who's trying to fix his wheel. Uh, Hound helps him out. Punches him unconscious though, and is going to kill him because again, I think you know I don't remember the exact line, but he's like, if he's dead, he can't say anything to anybody. You know what I mean? Like that's sort right. of a big deal. And Goes Ari's like, kill. no killing. And you know, like I get what she's doing, but at the same time, uh, I didn't think the Hound even says this to her. He's like, you're kind. Someday that's going to get you killed. You know what I mean? Like it's weird because we 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 have this conversation about what honor is over and over and over and over again and there's ned stark honor which is honor to a fault right mm-hmm. it's like an appeal to tradition the fallacy that it was good enough for my father it's good enough for me it's like it's bullshit right because we're living in a progressive society now like if we're, let's get out of westeros for a second let's put us here in the last 10 years like gay marriage has been made legal right like there's all these like progressive things that are sort of happening now if not creepily being rolled back now but it's still it's it's like it's just a really fucking interesting thing that they're going to do for her because the hound does have honor. Like we don't think of him as an honorable person, but he is right. nice to Sansa. He takes care of Arya, right? He genuinely ends up caring for her by the end of season four. We see that we know her feelings for him change. Um, and so it's just, it's a really fucking interesting thing for me where it's just like, yeah, you, you can have honor and still be brutal. Like you can be ruthless. Like and that think- man's got to have a code. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's the wire thing verbatim, right? They're just like, listen, we obviously love the wire. Let's just have him say an Omar line, and then he's right. Like, Omar line. <laughs> uh, good shit. Uh, all right, let's jump quickly after that. Uh, Brandon Company takes shelter from the storm. So this is important because I feel like all season we've been sort of working our way towards this like vision that Jojen's had and Bran has had about seeing Jon Snow nearby and stuff like that. Now they're they're in further north. They're getting closer and closer to, to Castle Black even though that's not really where they're going. They're trying to go beyond the wall. She's trying to say no. It's a whole fucking thing. But they end up seeing that uh, 
you know, like that tower. I don't think it's the same windmill or whatever that they saw earlier. No, I think it actually is. is. It, it's the exact same yeah. one? Okay, cool. Well, that's even better. There, there you go. So they see that and then they go over there because they know a thunderstorm's coming and blah, 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 blah. We set that up because now we cut over to the wildlings. And this is interesting because it's like they're going to raid their first house. We know the wildlings are like really great warriors in the open field. What they do is they go and they sack these small like towns and villages or just single homes and shit like that. Mm. And John's not really into it. You know, yeah. he's like, I don't yeah. want to kill anybody. So, <laughs> but he's got to keep his cover. So they're all running across the field and John hits a rock with a sword enough to spook the horses enough for the guy to go out there and see that these wildlings are about to come out um, and for him to escape momentarily. Uh, we also say Egret miss, which is not a thing she does very often with the arrow. You know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah. which brings us to something in episode 10, and we will get into that as well. But it's 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 like, come on, did no one hear the clank of that sword on the rock? You know what I mean? Like, if the horses heard it, <laughs> surely the wildlings heard it. Like, did you do that on purpose, you motherfucker? Like, I'm just wondering what the thought process is when they're sacking a place, you know? I mean, like, to be fair, like, their main experience with Jon Snow is just seeing him squint at everything. So they probably think he's like a dullard or something, you know? Right. He's probably not crafty enough to be doing that shit. Right. Um, I mean, let's go, let's go back to the Hound for one second before we go back. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure. like, no, you're fine. Because the episode starts jumping around. The Hound and Arya have this really interesting conversation about fear, which is something I also really liked. She's like, you keep looking over there like they're going to go because they can see the twins. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they, they can see like her, her family and shit like that. And she's like, you're scared they're not going to be there. I was like, I'm not scared. And she's like, yeah, of course you are. Like, of right. course you fucking are. What are you talking about? You've been on the lamb for forever. You haven't seen anyone familiar. You're like, somehow doing this and you're scared that now you're this close that somehow you'll lose it all like little does he fucking know how accurate he is um but she kind of comes back at him and she's like well i saw fear when when beric dundarian lit up his sword you looked like a frightened child you know yeah. and again we know the history of that yeah he's fucking scared of fire that's a whole thing he's very scared of that but yeah. it, it's a good scene because they sort of see themselves playing and also because Arya straight up says like one day i'm going to kill you like makes no bones about it <clears throat> It's a really good right. scene, man. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. And again, it's like taking relationships that people are diametrically opposed and by the end of it, giving them this like like a life affirmation in a way. You know, we saw that with Jamie and Brienne. And this is, this is for me, season four is very much about those two and that relationship. And obviously yeah. there's other ones, but that's the one I point to the most. Like that's my emotional entry point for season four is like that people who hate each other, you know, but somehow end up coming to terms and like really caring for one another in a pure way. That's some bullshit romance way. Cause even though Brianna and Jamie clearly love each other, they've never even like kissed even into where we are in the show. Now it's always mm -hmm. been this like completely platonic thing. I think like he gives her a sword at some point and that is like, like way more impressive than any fucking kiss or like yeah. fuck that they could have. Like, no, it's this beautiful moment. And I don't know. Right. I'm, just, I'm geeking out about it for the wrong reasons. I apologize. Um, Let's cut back. So now Jon Snow's running around and shit like that. And uh, the wildlings are, are really close by. There's about to be a mutiny there because uh, they, they find the guy who rode off and they're going like, to kill him. But our boy Gareth is like, nah, make the crow do it. All right. Prove right. that you're one of us. And again, Tormund's not saying no because he likes him, but you like, pull your fucking weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he grets there. Everything's trying to figure some shit out. And, uh, at the same time, again, they're really close proximity to the, the windmill, right? Where everyone's hiding out at. They can hear the voices inside the windmill. Thunder's going on and fucking Hodor's frightened of uh, thunder, apparently. And he's like, Hodor, you know, keeps freaking out and shit like that. Um, right. 
Right. You know, it's like kind of funny, by the way. I mean, in a weird way. And they're like, shut him up. And then again, Gareth is like, I heard some some sounds over there. And he's like, it's thunder. He's like, I know, motherfucker, I know what thunder sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great great fucking scene, man. He's like, come on. (laughs) It's got comedy. It's got tension. It's got it all. Well, again, no part um, of us thought John was going to do it, right? I mean, did you? He's too honorable. You know, he pulls the knife back at one point, or the sword. Well, that that would be a point of no return, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 it would be absolutely a point of no return. Um, But as Hodor is freaking out during the storm or whatever, Bran, like, involuntarily almost, like, his eyes roll back, and he wargs into Hodor. No, this is a big down. fucking deal, by the yeah, way. Very you can tell big deal. just by the reactions of the other people. They're like, yeah, wargs. Yeah, in, in the minds of animals, you warged into a fucking person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's some next level shit. And so yeah. it's a really big and, moment. And I think Brandon's is like, well, you can do that, right? And he's like, no one can do that. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, 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 fuck. It's like, it's a really big scene where you start to realize, like, you know, I get shitty sometimes about Star Wars, even though like I really love Star Wars because I'm like I really don't want this to be the story of one family. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like at some point, it that lo- that diminishes how I feel about it. And in a way, it's like the Starks are all really fucking important, and they all have like these important. Like John is important to a prophecy. Bran is important to a fucking prophecy. Like these people are like intrinsically linked, and right. but in a way that doesn't give me fatigue like the Skywalker saga. You know what I mean? Because like. Like Arya is just being Arya, Sansa is just being Sansa. Like they don't seem to have larger uh, roles in the big war to come. You know what I mean? I, that's an interesting point. I, I think the reason I don't mind so much, um, because I feel the same way, is just that like the Starks are made to suffer on such a scale um, in this show that like when those prophecies start coming true or when they do get a win or whatever, like it feels earned. Like you, you're happy to see that happening. Because they've suffered so fucking much. Right. Um, so I really don't mind when Bran like becomes a part of a larger prophecy or when Jon Snow is like this fucking legendary warrior by season set. Like it doesn't bother me too much. Right. No, I'm, I'm saying that's earned. I, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying it's, it's earned in a way that I don't feel like the Skywalker shit's still earned. Like that's why yeah, Last yeah, Jedi no, is amazing. Fight me about it later. Anyway. Um, okay, so Don doesn't pull the sword controversial statements here it's not controversial it's the best one anyway uh so (laughs) in game of thrones universe they like last jedi okay like that's how good that fucking movie is it passed through time barriers and shit um uh, all right so what i was gonna say is like so this comes to like (laughs) probably the best comedic moment of the whole show for me and i know it's not supposed to be fun but it is so he can't fucking do it they start fighting there's this whole battle and he gret loves john so much that she's not fighting him really like she's trying to hold off other people from getting him him and gareth get into this thing he stabs gareth and then like for no good reason he's like you were right the whole time which i felt was like such a false note in this symphony of game of thrones because like Mm. would you really like i don't know man it's i mean gareth has been pushing him so like john's feeling a little petty (laughs) you know he's like you were right the whole time he stabs him fucking eyes roll back and then he's fighting a bird which is hilarious to me dude i'm sorry like rewatch that fucking please anyone listening to this yes yeah comes out of nowhere just starts picking at him and like that is a harder battle than the battle he just had with his human version i mean that's phenomenal like whoever wrote this episode deserves the fucking emmy i'm pretty sure it won the emmy for this episode but like yeah it was the bird scene right. not any of the yeah, other later the scenes. red wedding the red wedding is something we had yeah, to get this through. episode is known for the bird fight bird versus Jon snow 
oh my god it's fucking wonderful and i love it all right let's cut away from that very quickly now we're back in uh in yunkai dario jonah and gray worm try to take the city uh, the way it was uh, planned right uh, dario's gonna go in he's gonna cut some people's throats and then we're gonna go in and try to sack the city um, we see the beginning of it, and we see that there are way more men that uh, Dario had planned for. <laughs> right. And so for a second, I'm a little worried. This I is mean, also another kind of a comedy scene, a little bit. Well, it is, because he, like, kill everyone. He's like, this is what you call a few people. And, like, 25 <laughs> more people show up. <laughs> and it's literally three dudes against, like, 25 fucking people somehow. They get it done, dude. You yeah. Know? Like, it, it is kind of cool, like, seeing their different fighting styles or whatever, too. Um that's all I really have That's to like say about That's like one thing I actually like about neat. the later seasons when they get to the fighting pit stuff because you do mm. see different types of combat. I'm like, that's at least yeah. interesting. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Not bad at all. Um, we don't get the conclusion to that for a little bit. We'll, we'll get to that conclusion, like whether they're successful or not. But before that, let's uh, go back one step to Osha and Rickon. Or Rickon, sorry. Uh, because this is kind of where they, like, the paths diverge a little bit, you know? Like, I think Bran knows he's got to go up north. He's got to do this thing. He's got to go find the Three-Eyed Raven. Jojen's going to help him. All that jazz, right? Everything's cool there. But Osha is not going fucking back, okay? She refuses to do it. So they kind of make this whole plan that she is going to take Rickon, and they're, they're going to try to go to Castle Black or wherever safety is, you know what I mean? Meanwhile, Bran's now going to be left with... Uh, with uh, what, what, Mira, what's her name? Mira and Jojen, right? Mm-hmm. It's a good scene. I mean, if not, just because we're starting to have people split paths and like Rickon become his geographical location is important later, not so much him as a character. Yeah, uh, I but, mean, he's know. pretty much a non-character up to this point, and we do not, you know, spoiler alert, we don't see this fucker for another three seasons. Um, yeah, so goodbye, Rickon, the the forgotten Stark child. Um, but this is the scene where uh, Osha does say to Mira, you know, take care of him. He means the world to me. Right. Um, and it scene, is man. like this really sweet scene. Yeah. It's absolutely. what we needed. Um, cutting back to the East very quickly. The city falls, man. It's really interesting though. Cause for a second, they, they leave you hanging. It's just Danny and Barristan talking about like, well, you're the expert. How long does it take to fucking sack a city? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. And, and then like Barristan strolls in covered in blood and, uh, no, Jorah. Or not Barrison, Jorah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like, we won, Khaleesi. It was and, like he said. <laughs> yeah. And, and then Khaleesi's like, where's Dario Naharis? And, and Jorah's Pause. face. Jorah's face, though, just like goes from like pure like, oh, she's going to be so happy like that right. I fucking won to just like, oh. It really, like, listen, the, jo- the comedy bit is, oh, he's friend zone Mormon. We get the mm-hmm. joke. But at the same time, like, it's so fucking sad, man. Like, yeah, he, he's a kind of a pitiful character, man. He really is. It's, it is sad, though. Nothing good ever happens to Jorah, like literally. Like, this is like yeah. a just like, this is a slower version of Theon for him. You know what I mean? Just like progressively right. gets worse and worse and shit. Just but. keeps getting punished for yeah Uh, selling slaves not a great look (laughs) uh okay so let's go back and this is pretty much what sets us up for the rest of this episode i I feel let's talk about it um we're back at the twins we see a a big festival going on we also find out that the woman that edmir is marrying is not some fuck ugly uh fray but rather the one beautiful one that he was like hiding away somewhere okay right by the way i just want to say that's bullshit some of those fray women were fine all right you're just some picky motherfuckers like (laughs) so annoyed at men being privileged here and shit um but 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 she lifts back the veil and i do love the the look that walter fray gives rob when she turns around he goes "Eh, i'm gonna have that 
but again and this is much like the the santa <laughs> scene from before right where like he's just like uh every sword needs a sheath and every wedding needs a bedding right and, like <laughs> right. people start clapping but then they like just lift this poor woman up against her will and like yeah. carry her to this room to be fucked in front of strangers and i'm just like I right like, and well, she yeah. looks scared but Emir's being like carted away by the women and he's like having a great time he's like a yeah. fucking bro at a party <laughs> Careful, or something once you unleash the monster you can't like oh fuck off your dick's yeah. not a monster guy i hate that <laughs> shit like, but also it's just like you're right you said it she looks fucking horrified and again every time i watch the show i'm just like my god the women in the show like the strength to just get up and live every day like, right is incredible man and we should say that, like, really nice plotting to have the wedding between Tyrion and Sansa right before this one, because right. we kind of establish what the rules are for weddings going right. into this one. Yeah. And, like, the strangeness and, like, how things diverge from what they're supposed to um, be. Right. Yeah. Well, then a couple of things happen in rapid succession. And one of them, like, I didn't think about it the first time I watched it, but watching it now, I'm like, that's just some really funny shit talk, basically. <laughs> like, mm. so we get to this point and they're all talking, they're all hanging out. And then uh, Roose Bolton doesn't drink, dulls the senses, my lady. Uh, Blackfish takes the most opportunistic piss in the world, by the way. He's like, I'm going to take a piss. Yeah. It's off. <laughs> the piss that saved lives man like like if like if there was a religion on the blackfish that would be like jesus said at the fucking crucifix you know what i mean right like, that was they're fucking narrowly escaped everything it's incredible but at that moment like i want to say so the, so he walks out of there and the big reveal it's, it's so interesting because catlin knows it almost immediately mm -hmm. um they close the doors you see one of the fray dudes close the doors behind them right after the the bedding the ceremony happens and then the band strikes up playing Reigns of Castamere. And you can see it's like, it's from behind her head. This is fucking phenomenal acting because she, her ears perk up like a dog's would. You know what I mean? When they, when something's stimulating it, it's like she hears the opening notes of Reigns of Castamere and she's like, she turns a little bit. Like, she, cause she fucking knows the story of, of House Castamere, right? Like she gets all of that shit. And yeah. that's what I put here. I'm like, playing reigns of Castamere, like that's not a wedding song like that is the that is you talking shit that is you letting the enemy know like foreshadow we've got to kill you motherfuckers right like that's right. literally how i took it and i think her reaction is because like it, it had to be the same thing like why would this song be played and then all those things kind of come at the same time right like she sees Roose bolton's chain mail she she figures everything out about 10 seconds before everything goes down and it's right. just enough time to know that it's happening, but not enough time to do anything about it, man. Right. I can't even imagine. Like, I'm sorry. I'm putting myself in that position, just knowing that's going to happen, but not being able to do anything about it is yeah. like next level. It's one of those uh, slow motion car crashes. Um, j just, uh, and Rob having no idea whatsoever. Completely um, caught unaware. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like Walter Frey is like, um, I've been remiss in my duties. And she like pulls back and sees the chain mail and Bolton right. like just gives her this look like this fucking cold steely look. And you're like, Oh God, they've had right. a fucking like Fox in the hen house the whole time. Dude. Um, I mean, and again, it's like, maybe we should have seen it coming. And maybe now when we see other television shows, we're more able to see these things coming. But at the time, like, no one saw this coming. I know it was ruined for you, and I feel bad. I, it wasn't yeah. ruined for me, because somehow I had lived in a bubble for four seasons of Game of Thrones where I refused to watch it. Anytime people were talking about it, I'd be like, you stupid, and I just kept going on with my life. 
so getting up to this point, like I knew the red wedding by name, but I had no idea. And again, like you said, there's so many different weddings kind of happening that you're like, right. It'd be any of these fucking weddings, man. Um, just didn't think it was going to turn into this. And when I talk about horrific things I've seen on television, right, we, there's a bunch of horror shows. We've seen, you know, a bunch of grisly deaths in, in great dramas that we love. I don't think I've ever seen something that has made me so physically ill while watching it. And it's not the Rob betrayal. It's not the slitting of Catelyn Stark's throat, which we'll get to in greater detail. But it's like the stabbing of uh, Talisa's stomach, man, when she's pregnant is the scariest fucking thing I have ever seen on TV, man. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's horrific. I was watching it like between my fucking hands because like it's, right. you don't see that. That's like, that's some next level well, shit, man. Cause, cause also it lulls you into a false sense of security just by having Talisa there and establishing that, the, that she's pregnant because that's an almost like unforgivable sin to do to a character is to kill a pregnant woman. The other thing about on this, screen. right, is we didn't even mention this, that Rob wants to kiss her in the hall and she stops him like, no, be respectful. Don't, mm-hmm. like, she's playing, the, everyone's playing this game better than Rob is playing it. Like he gets the customs and shit like that. But you're right, her being there, I'm like, no way. And then they go, I don't know, you've seen this thing where like people are pregnant on other shows and they'll like take a fall or something and they'll lose the baby. Sure. And that's how it goes down. We never see like violence towards a child. Like it wasn't yeah. even about her. It was about the kid first. You know what I mean? Yeah. They stabbed the fucking baby and then they killed her. So I don't know, man. Just the most horrific fucking thing I've ever seen. Completely. And then Rob gets shot with arrows left and right. Um, Catelyn gets shot with an arrow as well. Uh, yeah, no, and, and then it's just a frenzy of killing where all of the uh, Frey soldiers are turning on the Stark soldiers because all the Stark soldiers are, you know, fucking like chilling and partying. They think and it's drunk. a wedding. They're they're having a great time. They're wrestling outside and getting trashed right. and. Uh, Boom. Well, and again, let's cut Massacre. outside really quickly before we figure out the ending of this. We're cutting outside. Yeah. We see that Hound and Arya have shown up, and they're trying to play it off like they're delivering fucking beer or barley or rice. I don't know what the fuck they're bringing, but and, the, and this is kind look. of a comedy scene a little bit too, um, <laughs> with the fucking Hound like going up to the gate. He's like, "I got um, pig's feet, I got uh, cabbages," and he's like, "The feast is over." It doesn't look <laughs> over. <laughs> Are you soft in the head? And then it goes to the Hound. <laughs> I'm just looking like the dumbest motherfucker ever. Is well, and he also loses Sansa in the process. That's the other thing. Arya, you know? yeah. Oh, Arya, sorry, you're right. Yeah. Um, and she dips out. And again, then we have to see things like the fucking dire wolf being killed, like in the pen and just, it's, it's really. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so like we should give that a little bit of weight here. Like Arya running up and starting to sense that things are going a little bit wrong, but she sees the, the dire wolf in the pen and smiles and then sees the, Frey soldiers come up to the Stark soldiers and kill them right. and then take crossbows and start aiming it at the direwolf. And then it, they kill the direwolf and you just see her face falling into shock and horror. And, she's and I think it's at that moment, the hound, the hound grabs her and like recaptures her and is like, we've we got to get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, well, I think she's trying to head inside to like save her brother or see her mother or something. Right. And he knocks her out and drags her away well i see i think that was originally the plan what happens is she was hiding behind that like box of whatever while the all the soldiers were going by and then she was going to go but he grabs her the point is that he recaptures her like whatever the events that lead up to it but yeah so it's really really bad everything's fucking horrific uh you know aria gets recaptured by the hound and then you know back in the present right back when well, not in the present back in the wedding now we see like Rob is fucked up, but he's holding Talisa. She's living her last fucking seconds. Uh, right. Catelyn is like freaked the fuck out. Just she his sees... hand on her stomach that's like bleeding. 
acting profusely. Wasn't ready, dude. Um, yeah. Catelyn at this point sees Walter Frey's wife, 50 years his fucking junior, by the way, something mm-hmm. like that. Grabs her and he's just like, let him go, let him go. Like, you know, like, I'll give you whatever. We'll walk yeah. away. We'll forget this ever happened. Just let him walk my out of here. My honor as a Tully on my honor as a Stark. He's Yo, my only, he's my she oldest hits son. those notes, dude. My like when she says to my son. When she yeah. says that, when she's like, it's my honor as a Tully, and I'm like, oh, shit. She's bringing up the Tully name. And then she's like, on top of that fucking honor, my honor as a Stark. I was like a little legit moved yeah. because it means something in that world still. Yeah. But maybe this is the moment where honor officially yeah. dies in Westeros, man. Right. And let us go or I will cut your wife's throat. And then a moment of silence. I'll, I'll find another. another. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. And then it Which, gets if, if I wasn't so horrified, would almost kind of be funny, but it's Brand. just, yeah, terrible. Well, there are some South Park moments. I mean, then Bruce Bolton, the Lannister send their regards, stab, he's dead. And then at that moment, Catelyn, you know, slits the throat of Walter Frey's wife. And it's weird. She does this, like, purely primal, like guttural. Fucking, yeah. Mm. Oh, my God, dude. It's horrific. And it, they should have ended it somehow there and just killed her in the beginning of the next episode. Because for me, that the dramatic weight of that moment just for, like, a soldier to come in from off screen and, like, slit a throat and then ends. I mean, it was like a South Park death for me. I really? sort of laughed I, I, at I, it. I, I kind of love it. I, I kind of love it. Oh, yeah. Um, very and- funny to me. <laughs> yeah. damn well um, I mean, it's in comedic timing it's the kind of thing where like you know like edgar wright plays with the frame right like he'll have people pop in and out of the frame and shit like that and that's the joke it felt very much like oh my god this traumatic thing just happened amazing acting slow pull in right on the face and just like yeah just, I, I i mean i yeah i i get it though i think they needed to establish that like okay like she's dead too like we need to like get the fucking full you know tally here right. um at the end of this episode before we cut to black. So I, I get it. it. Just that, that slow push in though, in her face, that expression, um, like the, the way she kills the fray wife, like is so perfunctory at that point. Yeah. Like there's nothing left of her yeah. at all. Oh no, but um, that's the, that's the big action that matters the most is like, you can tell that that was, that's just a, I'm trying to take something away. Like it, it means nothing. It means right. absolutely nothing in the large scale of it. And she knows that and she still does it. Right. And, and we, sh- we should talk about like, what, why is this scene so impactful? Because again, like Rob Stark's not your favorite character. Catelyn's not your favorite character. Uh, why do you think this scene um, for what are relatively minor characters, um, impactful characters, but minor characters uh, had such an impact Aside from just like the actual violence and suddenness of it, yeah, no, that that's almost secondary. Um, well, you know what it is? You react to the violence first, I think, and then you think about it what it does story wise. And again, we're conditioned to kind of look at stories as these repeating cycles, and that's why sometimes we can predict what things are going to happen. That's the nature of storytelling. But the show has always done this thing where like Ned Stark's the protagonist. We're following him for seven. Shit, he's dead. All right, well, that's fine whatever like we'll get over that you know what i mean and like uh, oh renly he's gonna get this great uh, fucking renly's dead four episodes into season two okay uh you know it's like every time you think you know where the story's going especially like okay if ned's not in there it's about the starks it's got to be about rob it's got to be about catlin it's got to be about all these other people because rob is going to be the one that like takes back the honor for the stark name right now that's and again you're you're like, you're so fucking used to that type of storytelling that when it happens, you don't realize that the people that were carrying the entire momentum of season three, for the most part, right? This conflict between the Lannisters and, and the young wolf, suddenly it's squashed completely. And not just squashed, like, like Stannis lost, but Stannis is still out there. You know what I mean? Right. It's gone. 
and, and I and, think it, it's it's a big moment because it forced the show to to get ever expanding. Number one, like so many new characters show up starting next season, but mm-hmm. also I think the the scope of the show somehow gets even wider right after this because it has to, you know. Yeah, yeah, it does absolutely, and also just to see it um, having Arya there at the time that it happens is so tragic and so crucial because it gives you um, it gives you someone who's actively seeing like you're seeing her hope get ripped away from her at the same time your hope is getting ripped away from you so you're sharing this moment moment with aria and you think about the road that she's been on she watched her father get executed she was you know under threat of violence and torture at harrenhal she escaped and had to kill to survive um was with the brotherhood without banners against her will was with the hound against her will and now like her last bit of hope is dead right in front of her no um, man and it's... and the insult to injury there comes in episode 10 which we'll talk about i think maybe the most horrific consequence of it for me actually happens next episode well um, uh, why even bury the lead man uh that's pretty oh much yeah the episode yeah ju- ju- just the desecration of rob's body where they right. sewed the dire wolf's uh head onto his body and trot it out in the way like the body turns suddenly um and Arya is seeing all of it it's just like this poor kid the whole time, fuckers like King of the North, like you know, right. making fun of him, mocking him. It's it's pretty bad, and, man. And the Hound has like carrying a fucking fray banner just so like they can get out of there safely. Right. Yeah. Fuck, it's fucked up. And this episode ten, uh, entitled uh, was Misa Misha. I never know how to pronounce it. Misa Misa. So we're finally at the finale. It's been a long journey of, you know, arguably the best season of this show. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong saying any of the first three seasons are your favorite if you want to be technical. I, you know, yeah, yeah, I would um, agree with that. But we've gone on a long journey, and and I'm going to do this a little bit differently. We're just going to go from like geography where we're at, where we're at, and we'll kind of get back and stuff. So I want to start in King's Landing, if you don't mind. Uh, the the word has has come down about the fate that fell or befell Rob Stark, right? Um, there's a small council meeting and Cersei's there and the King's there and Tywin's there. And Tyrion rolls up being smug as fuck. He's the one guy who doesn't know what's happening here, right? Right. Um, he gets told by Joffrey, who's gloating. This motherfucker well, is so happy about it. You know what I mean? Well, the way he gets told, though, he gets handed a, a, a piece of paper, right? Well, Joffrey says, like, read it, read the piece of paper. And right. Pycelle is the one who's supposed to hand it to him. And being just the biggest piece of shit, in the world like the pettiest oldest fucking piece of shit he right. drops it and goes oh i'm sorry my lord and makes Tyrion like have to fucking get it and that it's fucker like a, gets what he deserves later i'm not too worried about it but yeah know. yeah he absolutely does um and i forget what the piece of paper actually says it's something like uh what does it say i don't remember either we, let's look it up i'll pause this just so we can know what the fuck we're talking about hold on I can't find it. We'll figure it out later. We'll post it with the episode. It's all good. But um, so anyway, the news is fucking learned and Tyrion is kind of taken back by this. Keep this in mind, by the way, he just married Sansa. <laughs> like he's got to break that right. fucking news that like her, her mom's been killed and her brother's been killed. And like, she may be alone. No one knows where Arya is, you know? Yeah. And I, I believe there was a scene. I don't know if it was in episode nine or in this episode early on where um, Tyrion and Sansa are, are walking outside and they're mm-hmm. actually kind of getting along and joking and everything. And you're right. like, obviously it's not a romantic thing at all, but like they, they're enjoying each other and enjoying each other's company. It's like the first tentative steps to being comfortable with this. 
Um, well, it's a good scene because I think like it's it's a they get laughed at by some fuck boys. In yeah, Westeros, and he's like, "Don't worry about them." He's like, "I'm used to it," you know. Like yeah. but they have this like kind of back and forth. And, yeah, and where he's like scene, making a list. Yeah. yeah. And that same scene, he's just like, I just, again, I'm, I'm not my nephew. Like, I'm not Joffrey, you know what I mean? And it's mm. like, it's kind of a sweet scene that they have. I, I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. And to follow it up with this, like, now him finding out that, you know, oh, Rob Stark is fucking dead and I'm married to her sister or his sister. Right. Um, it's it's uh, awkward, at least. Yeah. Um, so the, I'm sorry, I was just reading this up ahead. So yeah, I just wanted to get back to the, to the actual, um, yes, the small, small council, council meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a, it's a great thing. Tyrion's really against this and he understands like the need to be, um, like, I, I guess, militaristic and to, and to rule with a Yeah. He's like, this is war. Thing. I get it. Strategy is a thing. But, well, but again, I, he bests everyone, but Tywin, he's just like, but at a wedding and he's like, let me ask you a question. <laughs> like, like, how is it more honorable to to kill thousands of people who are on a battlefield holding, on a battlefield holding banners rather than killing a small group of people? And I can't fucking argue with him. Like every yeah. time, he just has a good point. This motherfucker's. I I would lose every debate against this motherfucker. Well, it's cold logic, but like it, the where it breaks down for me is the idea that like it's kind of the Mitch McConnell of it all. Like this fucker is just like getting away with whatever he wants and changing the rules. And it's like when you realize. That that you can like the rules that we like abide by in society are mutually agreed upon. Once you start ignoring them or throwing them out the window, it's like you're basically you're saying society doesn't work. Like chaos is a fucking you know yeah, it's the fucking the only governing body there. Well, um, I also want to point this out. Let's talk about this too, which is in that small council meeting. It's not like everyone's jubilant about it. I mean, like you know, the Taiwan uh, the Lannisters are happy that they won. But no one is rejoicing in the messy details of it all. And there's right. literally the point where Joffrey's like, I'm going to give her her brother's head. I'm going to serve it to her for my name day feast or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everyone is kind of freaked out by that. Like everybody on the council, even fucking Cersei is like really embarrassed. She does like a forced smile and shit like that. And she's mm, right. like, oh, this was joking. And he's like, no, it wasn't. I wasn't, you know, like no situational awareness of this is disgusting. And I think Varys even has to be like, that's technically your aunt now. <laughs> like, you, right. know, you need to show some fucking respect. Does not eat any of that. So, I don't know. It's it's a it's a really good fucking scene. Um, but do you want to jump to the Bolton and the Walder Frey of it all really quick? Sure. Um, well, did did you want to talk about the um, conversation that Tywin has privately with Tyrion about just like power and kings and their little debate? I don't know if he had anything to add to that. I mean, I don't. He wins. Like, I want him to be wrong, but every time he does anything, he wins in my mind. Like, he's ruthlessly efficient. It is cold logic. You know, he's kind of like the Spock of this universe. Like, if Spock was a homicidal maniac, it would be Tywin Lannister. Let's be very clear. He's just a Vulcan. Yeah, I mean, because he shows no one. If you're a Lannister, thing that's happened. He never. He shows anger. I guess. I guess that's the one thing that he shows. But that's right. one speed at all the time and it's angry and angrier you know <laughs> um, so yeah i don't have much to say about it other than to be like you know i get it and it's fucked up that i get it i think it's really really fucking amazing that the, the show is so well written that you can kind of figure that out you know yeah um yeah anyway sorry uh let, let's let's jump over there if you don't mind um I, well there is like an insult doesn't Tyrion basically call his dad a coward or something I think I'm pretty sure like he's talking about in King Robert's war that like he just hung out in Casterly Rock until 
he knew who was going to win and then Tywin sprang into action. Right? Oh, Joffrey says that like, yeah. while you were hiding in Casterly Rock, uh, right. yada, 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 like they were fighting the war. This motherfucker you. doesn't get it. Like <laughs> he really is the George W. Bush of this world. He thinks he's running shit. Right. The, I, I, I love that uh, Tywin is just like the king is tired. Give him some essence of nightshade to help him sleep. And yeah, like, I'm not tired. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that Joffrey in the scene. He starts off gloating and preening and being like a piece of shit to like <laughs> being dressed down so hard, throwing a temper tantrum, and being sent off to bed without his supper. Pretty much, I mean, he literally deserves all of it. I just want oh. to throw that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, let's. Be, I don't support this guy. I just want to be clear. Um, let's talk about, so yeah, I want to talk about the, the, the Roose Bolton of it all. Roose Bolton and Walter Frey enjoying the spoils of what just happened. Right. And again, he's, right. he's a real fucker. Let's just be real. Like <laughs> Roose Bolton is at least like playing the game. Walter Frey just wants, he's the Joker. He just wants to see the world burn, man. Like, I don't think he gives a fuck about anything. Um, and so anyway, the exposition here that you have to get is just the fact that like Roose Bolton is, is basically named warden of the North. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have this whole question of, um, are you going to go to Winterfell? And he's like, maybe. Like, what happened there? I, I heard Theon took it over and he killed all the ravens and there's no news. He's like, I sent my bastard to go get him. And we're like, ah, fucking, like, the light bulb goes off. And we're like, oh, right. shit, Ramsey is has been doing this the whole time. Which, again, think about this. Like, this was so early on. This shows you that Roose Bolton was already playing this fucking game well before anything right. really went wrong, you know? He was... He had contingency plans, and I think that shows you that he's a pretty formidable opponent, right? Very. Yeah, because nobody ever sees him coming. Um, also funny to me that he's just, like, actually literally family by marriage with Walter Frey. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's <technically>. accurate. <laughs> um, but no, like, and he says, yeah, my my bastard, he has his own way of doing things, and then it cuts to Ramsey, like, giving further, you know, through editing confirmation, oh, this is his bastard, Ramsey Snow. That's right. what's been going on this whole and he's time. He's eating a fucking sausage like that. Yeah, <laughs> just having having a great time. Just and he goes, oh, oh, no, this is just a, a pork sausage. I'm sorry. Right. And he's just like really fucking with him too. He's like, I've always wondered. You know, amputees say they they get a feeling like a phantom limb. Right. Um, when you see a pretty girl, do you, do you feel an itch? <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, just so diabolical that I yeah. have to give him props. <laughs> like, yeah, like eating a fucking game, man. <laughs> in dually sausage or whatever, right in front of the guy. Like, Jesus so Christ. So fucking good. But so, uh, you know, that sets us up. We'll cut to the, to the Riverlands very quickly. Or not the Riverlands, I'm sorry, the Iron Islands. Um, because, you know, the whole conceit of this is like, yes, he fucking castrated Theon. Yes, he put in a fucking raven or pa- whatever the Westerosi version of UPS is. He overnighted that shit. And it gets to the Iron Islands, and they open up this box, and it's like Theon's favorite toy, right? Mm-hmm. We know what his favorite toy is, and I think this is a really weird fucking moment because, unless I'm wrong, and I did just watch this, so I could be—I'm an asshole if I do get this wrong—but it just—it seems like Balon doesn't give a fuck really. He's like, well, you know, he did disobey my direct orders, and he kind of has this. He's also of, not a man anymore, right? He's like, so he like, I'm not me, like, yeah. And I love that um, Yara's only uh, argument um, is just to stare at him. And he just keeps talking. He's like, well, he, he doesn't have a dong anymore. Right. And, and he disobeyed me. Well, again, like... And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and she's basically like, okay, fuck you, dad. I'm going to get my 50 best men. And we're going to fucking like storm the Dreadfort and get Theon back. Because he is still your son. Dude, it's a, actually... 
it's a badass scene. It really is. It's like the scene where I'm most on hype because again, I'm secretly all about these women being badasses and like taking what's theirs in a world that says, no, you can't have it. And like the idea that she's like, fuck that. Like, you know, let's do this fucking moment. Right. Like give me your 50 best men. I'll go do it. You know what I mean? Right. And the adventure music is playing and everything and she's going to get Theon back. So good. You want to know why it's not good? Because they do nothing with that next season. I mean, there's, I think it's the first episode back. They do something for all of 10 minutes and like, that was such a wet fart of a fucking moment. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, because again, you're like, Oh shit. Like, do you remember when like, uh, like I told you in season two, it's the first time I'm really sold on the um on, on the mother of dragons of it all because i'm just like oh shit man like like yeah. the first time i'm on hype you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh and or no it's, i guess it's in the beginning of, of season three but still it's like the same thing where i'm like yes the fucking badass like mad max music is playing and shit like that and i'm like yep this is gonna be amazing and all for mm-hmm. it to be all for not which is a little upsetting well we'll, we'll get to that um unfortunately <laughs> let's, let's uh let's cut back let's go to uh to dragonstone if you don't mind uh so we're in Dragonstone, and uh, you know Stannis is there, and Davos is there, and everyone's there. <laughs> Evil D. Sorry, I'm doing that voice. Uh, the, well, I'm trying to figure out what happens first. Is Davos let, lets him leave? Well, yeah, because that's what happens, right? Like Davos helps Gendry escape first. And yeah, well, we da- Davos and Gendry have a couple of conversations in, in, right. the, in the cells. And, um, you know, they, they kind of relate because Gendry is like immediately just no longer trusting, you know, lords well, and ladies or anybody because yeah. they've done nothing but fuck him over his entire life. Um, and Davos is like, look, I, it's a very recent situation for me being a lord. I'm from Fleet Bottom. He's like, yeah, where? And he, like, oh, yeah, they have the whole like, I'll yeah, tell you where, and they, motherfucker. <laughs> and they have this nice bonding moment. And it is like kind of a callback. Like we don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the fact that Davos's son is dead. And very recently dead. And Gendry's around that same age. And you kind of get this sense that there's like a little bit of like, I don't know, fatherly something there in, in Davos. Like he wants to save this kid. Um, he doesn't want to see another young man die on behalf of some bullshit. Right. Um, and so Davos fucking arranges for him to escape, gets him in a rowboat and sends him off back to King's Landing. Right. Right. Um, but this goes to the next scene because Stannis is not like happy about it. As He's not imagine. thrilled. He's sentenced him to die. Like, well, he tries to warn him. He's like, "That's like, I, I don't know." But it's weird because like, I feel like Davos is this close to being fucking put back in those black cells if Melisandre doesn't come to his unlikely aid. And mm. she's like, "Listen, man, I've seen. I'm looking at these flames. Like the war of the five kingdoms. Like or the five kings. Like that's small potatoes. That's insignificant. The real war is the war up North. You know what I mean? Like, right. Because earlier some point, and I could be wrong. Um, but does Davos gets a scroll after he's learned to read about like from castle black. Right. Right. Where, um, Which we should have done this a little bit better, but Sam is writing letters to all the major Lords at right. the, at the behest of who's, who's the, is it Amon? He's the old. old yeah. Yeah. Mason Amon. Um, who, who, um, like Sam, Sam and, uh, Gilly, meet with mace raymond and they're like hey white walkers are here uh we need to mobilize we need to do something and he's like right. uh, all the ravens get them fed we're sending them off tonight and <laughs> double sees the scroll great, David. yeah, that was yeah thank, thank you thank you man um 
but he takes so, it yeah, at face I, value. He says, like, yeah, this is obviously yeah. the truth. We can't be worried about this other shit. We gotta be worried about this. And Melisandre basically corroborates that story. She's like, Yeah, the great yeah. north where you're needed is up or the great war is up north where you're needed. Yeah, and this war of five kings means nothing, which um is verbal confirmation of like what we've been saying for a while now that like all right. of the shit that we're getting invested in does not matter in the grand scheme of things. Like there's a bigger picture here. It's kind of amazing if you think about that, like just for a second, that like, yeah, this is a show that's about political moves and wars and like subterfuge and shit, but really it's a story about like, hey, like humans, climate change. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, I've, I've always, I think you share the same like idea with me, which is like when I think about this show, and especially when we get to like season six, we get some confirmations of this, right? The White Walkers are created as a measure to stop humans who are fucking everything up. You know what right. I mean? Like they're killing and they're like, so you don't have to be like an environmentalist to kind of get the allegory here. You know what I mean? Mm. Basically once upon a time, the magic and creatures and monsters ruled the world and humans beat them back to the far edges of the world. And now nature and monsters are coming back to reclaim what's theirs. You know what I mean? And so right. it's really amazing that, yeah, you spend three full seasons with like hints of the otherworldly shit, but mostly it's all auxiliary. It's all separate and it's all fucking, you know, uh, unimportant. <laughs> and then you realize that like, nah, this is the real story that we're watching. And I think it's such a fucking achievement. Also in Castle Black, we didn't talk about this, but we should very quickly. Sam and, uh, and Bran meet up for a moment. It's actually kind of sweet because like Sam knows yeah. who he is by the stories. You know what I mean? He's like, yo, you're John Snow's right. brother. Like, you know, they have like this kind of sweet moment. Um, yeah. And, and Sam is like, I'll take you to your, to your brother. Like Jon Snow is my brother. That means you're my brother. You're my family. I'll take you to him right now. And right. Bran is like, I would love to nothing more. Like I would love nothing more, but I have to like get where I'm going north of the wall. He's right. like, motherfucker, you don't want to go there. It sucks. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> it's got creepy shit. Right. Like, uh, and I think he gives him some dragon glass. He's like, if you insist, motherfucker, here's some dragon glass in case you cross paths with one of these white walkers. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I mean, it's a, it's a good scene. But again, I like that because it's like suddenly people are are meeting who weren't supposed to meet, who were divided by a long, long distance and shit like that and mm -hmm. so we kind of we kind of get that which is interesting um yeah, a little, little character crossover and one of many instances where like the starks are within spitting distance of each other and don't know it um right. we should have mentioned that like john being right outside of that windmill where bran was and again right. like bran has this opportunity but can't Arya is right near her brother and mother but can't get to them right. um just all these near misses it's like fuck yeah man. poor starks um, all right, so I think we only have three more points left, and I want to talk about them very quickly. Uh, Jon Snow, who's now on the lamb, so to speak, after he kind of made his intentions clear. He's like, I'm a crow, and I got attacked by a bird and shit. Like, <laughs> he's tired, and he's injured, and he's like, all right, I'm going to chill out for a minute. And um, Egret confronts him, and she's all angry, and she's going to shoot him, and he tries to talk her out of it. And Like, it's, this is actually a really sad scene, because I bought into this love story. Like, I get how fucked up it is for her. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, she loves him. He loves her. That doesn't stop her from doing what she has to do. And I think it's interesting that, like, you know, he basically rides off on a horse and tries to get away. She shoots him with three arrows. But what we know about Egret is that she's a fucking hell of a shot. Like, if she wanted to kill Jon Snow, she would have killed Jon Snow. And I, I think even Tormund says that. I don't know if it's in this scene or the beginning of season four or something, but, like, Later yeah, on, it's it season four, I think, where he's okay. like, I, I've seen you put an arrow through a squirrel's eye or some shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which how, is all to say that she knows how to shoot. And that's, that's the point. So, also, um, one 
One time I, I was like really like cracked out on caffeine one night and like just up really, really late watching YouTube videos on like ancient weapons and movies and like how movies are inaccurate. And this guy like tore into this scene where Egret is like aiming the bow and arrow at John because of like the tension and like the strength that she would have have to have to like hold to that hold for like yeah. a minute straight is like superhuman. That's all. I just want to bring that Wobbling up. Wobbling women, bro. Like, I'm just, yeah. you got to give it to them. They learn from a very young age. Um, but it's, again, sad fucking scene. It, it really is. Yeah, yes, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, and she still shoots him like three times, but not fatally. <laughs> just three times, like three love taps, you know? Yeah, just three times. Um, I want to talk about one scene. It's very minor, and it's interesting because the first time I saw it, I had a different feeling about it than I did uh, this time. So I want to talk about Jamie finally makes it back to King's Landing. He finally, one, he gets back. No one recognizes him. I think someone calls right. him country boy, like immediately. Yeah. Out of the way, country boy. Right, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, right. So that's like one thing about it. And then finally we get this moment, which again, like Jamie's been gone since what, the middle of season two or something? No, maybe season one he leaves. Season one. Yeah, so yeah. Like, he's been gone for a he, good He attacks fight. Ned Stark and then goes to fight the war, yeah. Right, okay, so that's my point. So he's been gone for a long time. I don't know how much time within the show. I know that it's not, early seasons are, are, are pretty elongated time-wise. You know, the time mm -hmm. period isn't too much. But still, he finally sees her. And I remember the first time I watched this, I got so angry at HBO. And I was like, how dare you make me root for this? Like, how <laughs> dare you make me have a warm, fuzzy feeling? about Jamie seeing his fucking incestuous sister, right? But it is yeah. sort of But hard. I mean, it, they, they do make the case for it, like when he says, as we brought up many episodes or a couple episodes earlier, where he's like, you know, we can't choose the ones that we love, you right. know? And it's like, he really loves her. Like, in spite of the fact that she's a fucking monster, well, here's the thing. I was really moved by that the first time I saw it. When I watched it this time, for some reason, I just felt like he was so inadequate to her. Mm. Like, like she saw him and you thought this would be this beautiful reunion, but it kind of wasn't. And it was very like. Right. And, and they get into that more explicitly in season four. Um, right. It's definitely something that's followed up on. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's interesting to see how that dynamic changes uh, when he comes back. Right. And it says a lot about Cersei too. Again, I'm just not over the fact that I, for a, a brief second was like, yes, he deserves this. I'm like, what? No, like I'm disgusting. I'm going to hell, man. Yeah, he's well. He's been through a lot, you know. Like, let the guy bang his sister. Who cares? Yeah, man. Even a dying man gets to pick his last meal, <laughs> Christian. Like, come on. Uh, so let's let's bring it. Let's let's bring this whole fucking thing home, man. Let's go back out to the east, all right? Because this is, again, every season is sort of ended with like this, you know, big hurrah moment for mm -hmm. Cersei or not Cersei, sorry, Danny. Um, and Danny is going to like, you know, she's, she sacked the city appropriately. And there's this big fucking set piece or not set piece, but there's a big scene where she's sitting out there amongst all the, the slaves, right? All the, all the chained men and shit like that. She gives this big rah, rah fucking speech about like, take off the chain, make your own fucking shit. You're free, man. You don't got to live like this shit anymore. Right. Yeah. And like the one, if she was a, you know, like wrestlers have a bunch of like AKAs, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Like yeah. the eighth wonder of the world, AKA the strongest man in the world aka like this is when she's starting to build her aka fucking resume right because like yeah. now you could add the fucking breaker of chains breaker right you can bring chains. Misha up in this bitch like, the unburnt the yeah, unburnt Misa. yes the yeah. mother of dragons like she's got all the akas in the world dude. and so my <laughs> point is this though again every like I, I was talking about this with robert on the, on the other show that i do 
And he was like, I'm getting really tired of these endings. And I'm just like, but this one sort of matters, right? Like mm. a couple of them don't matter so much. You know, I, I understand that, but this is a, a point where you're like, no, now she, she's getting the numbers, right? Because as she was saying, there's 200,000 reasons to take the city. I don't think she's being purely militaristic. I think she truly is trying to be like decent to these people. Um, but it's still, it's one of those things where like, oh no, she's actually ascending. She's liberating cities. She's gaining the goodwill of the people and whatnot. I think it's a big right. Moment. And she's almost like being treated by the people like she's like a, a deity or something. Um, you know, like she's a fucking... Uh, religious figure you know, it's, um, you know let's think about this in terms of like i know that the world is very big but there are civilizations out in the east right but think about it in a way like when the when the uh when the fucking natives saw cortez coming on from the shores you know what i mean like this yeah. light-skinned fucking guy he's got to be a god you know what i mean like they had never seen anything he wore these weird robes and he came in on this transportation they had never seen before and shit like that so you're right yeah. they look at her as like oh you surely were sent from the fucking gods the heavens to liberate us you know what i mean and right. i totally buy it and like all of that scene works so goddamn well um i i get it like i do get the danny fatigue because her story's seldom have anything to do with the rest of the things you know like when we mm. see what's happening in the house tyrell there's direct ramifications of what's going on in king's landing what's happening in the war of, uh, of the north and so on and so forth her shit's always separated and i think that that's why it's harder to be like really jazzed up about it but it's still a big right. moment for her character yeah no it's definitely a big moment for her character and it informs like where her character goes for the next three seasons little did we know back then right um, it takes a while like again i know that varus had to explicitly tell us this last season yeah he's like it'll be years until they're grown and it's just like now like it's weird because it's like we talked about the things that she needs to get season six is a big deal because finally like at the end of it she has the allies she has the army she has yeah. the boats and, and she's <laughs> over like the the slave city shit yeah she's, she's like i'm done she's I'm like done. i did that uh, all right that was good. like her dylan acoustic phase right and now she's yeah. going electric all right king's landing is her highway 61 man but yeah in general i think it's an important thing this is this is the first step of that and, and as we see in the future seasons now that you have power you have to learn how to wield power and how to rule justly mm. in the way that you want to do it so now i think starting next season i'm way more invested in her story because she's not this like it's like i don't know it was almost like silicon valley for her like every time she tried to make a move she would fail or something you know what i mean like <laughs> right got a little she, she did fail upwards a lot well she's doing all right in this one instance she has now secured herself in a much better and advantageous position which i think is good yeah. and it's again it's the one time where i'm like okay i'm a little fired up about this little did yeah. we know it would still be three seasons before anything fucking went down <laughs> but I, I like the lesson of like you know it was about her uh, learning how to play the game i felt like season two is very much about that stop being a naive little girl like learn how to play this game like use use your fucking brains and your diplomacy as a weapon and uh we see her fucking free the slaves and be this breaker of chains and now now we have to see her actually live up to the thing she wanted to govern how the fuck do you govern and we start to see that in the next seasons uh that is pretty much it though man i mean do you have any other final thoughts on season three before we wrap this up sir uh, it's it's still my favorite season um i would say like maybe the season four rewatch will uh change my mind um we'll definitely get into that. I think right. that, like you've said, like it has some amazing moments, but definitely like has some problems. Too. You see the cracks in the armor a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this season, like despite some minor complaints, like overall the movements of the story are just so well done. Right. And in spite of the fact that I know what's coming, like just the way it's presented is still it. just as entertaining. As you absolutely it nailed it, man. Time. I was yeah. going to say that it's like, we're watching a show where you know all the big beats. 
So mm-hmm. you're not surprised the way that you were the first time, but instead I'm finding myself paying attention to smaller details and, and, and smaller scenes and realizing that yeah. that's what this is built upon. Like it's all yeah. these one-on-one talks or these Ravens being sent over and shit. Like the whole thing is yeah. predicated on how good of a world they've set up just by doing that, you know? And it's, what a phenomenal job. I can't wait to talk season four. In my mind, season four is my favorite. That's yeah. the thing. But I don't yeah. know if that's true. Like, I haven't rewatched well, it since I watched it with you. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely do a deep dive. I do want to say, like, one last thing um, because I just don't want to forget it. It's the difference between the books and the show. And I'm kind of shocked that the show never did it. But at the same time, I kind of get it. Um, so following the Red Wedding, uh, Catelyn Stark's throat is cut. She's right. thrown in a river. And later, I think it's near the end of the book or at the very end of the book um, where she gets found by Beric Dondarrion and the Brotherhood Without Banners. And she is resurrected as Lady Stoneheart. And she starts leading the Brotherhood Without Banners as this kind of zombie who has to like, like her head's like a Pez dispenser. Her, like she clawed out her eyes and everything and she's killing Frey's across the countryside um, i would watch that spinoff show so fucking right? bad hbo's talking about prequel series i'm like no give me like a better yeah. call saul-esque fucking sideways yeah, just cover scene. all the shit that you didn't like cover in the fucking show you figure they got more than enough material to do it man i, <laughs> I don't know think. that is an interesting thing I've, i I know that character exists in the yeah. books i think it's kind of wise they didn't do it if we're being honest i understand the badassness of it but yeah. from a practical standpoint, like imagine hiring that poor fucking amazing actress just to be like, Argh. yeah, and 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 that's the thing, like where I understand like why it didn't happen. You don't want to like put Michelle Fairley through like hours of makeup every day <laughs> to just like kill phrase for no reason. Right. Um. Yeah, but I did want to like mention that I would watch that because as you that. know, I'm I'm obsessed with Chuck Bronson Death Wish, and that sounds like a Westerosi Death Wish. Yeah, man. like I'm ready for that shit. Yeah, well, that's the first piece of the Starks actually coming back and fighting back, and it's right. kind of great, you know. But well, eh. dude, listen, as usual, I think we fucking nailed it. I'm really proud mm-hmm. of this. We're gonna be releasing this really quick because I think we're behind, but we're we're gonna get on season four, so we will be back again with part one of season four. And again, I'm really curious to see how we both come at this i haven't watched it in like four or five years now when it first aired or yeah really okay yeah, yeah. I've, I've, like yeah. yeah not at all when i rewatched it recently before season seven we started at season five for some reason because dolores is like oh I, I remember all this i'm like all right like that's fine <laughs> so we just watched season five the not good season six and then season seven started so yeah i cannot wait to talk about you and we will be back uh next week yeah see you